Hello everyone, this is Farron, the host of We Came From The 80s, with a few quick notes about the episode. So first off, the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, has always been controversial. It was controversial when it was a novel in the 50s, it was controversial when Martin Scorsese was filming it, and it was controversial when it premiered, it was controversial when it hit video, and though time has sort of softened everything, it's still a little controversial. And that's fine. It happens to be one of my favorite films, it always has been, and I never really had the chance to discuss it seriously with someone else. Well, now I have my own podcast and I can do that. And so Heather came down and, and we watched and we, we spent a lot of time talking, which sort of leads me to the next note, which is that this episode has no clips. The conversation we had was so good, or at least we felt it was, and I found it so rewarding to have, as I was editing, despite hearing myself say in the recording, oh, add this clip here, add this clip there, I, I felt it would interrupt the flow. So there are no clips at all in this show. It's just two people talking about this movie and comparing it to the Gospels, kind of, sort of. Uh, I am an atheist from a family of Jews. Heather is uh, a devout-ish, as she would say, Roman Catholic. And so we have two very differing points of view. Her correcting the film where it goes wrong, which is, you know, everywhere. Uh, me pushing back and saying, well, maybe that's not the point. It's a great conversation. It is by far the most rewarding episode of this podcast I've done to this point. And I'm very appreciative of Heather coming down and, and willing to take this on with me. One thing, one last note, we even joke about this in the recording, is that for whatever reason I had some serious technical difficulties that day, and I spent an hour and a half trying to get the darn recording equipment to work properly. Uh, the joke was, someone out there didn't want us recording this. Uh, and I thought we'd solved all the problems, or I'd solved all the problems, and I was wrong. So I apologize for the audio quality. I, you know, Heather sounds great. I sound like I'm the bottom of a well. I did my best with my knowledge, admittedly limited knowledge, of audacity, and I cleaned it up a little bit. But it isn't great, and I do apologize for that. So kick back and enjoy. Hopefully you are enlightened and enraged and frustrated and enthralled. I hope, like all good art, this movie and our discussion of it makes you feel and makes you think. And here we go. to who came from the 80s the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool but that god doesn't want us to see i'm your host Farron, and today i'm joined by heather who i think like me is now going to hell I probably but not for this not for this you, should, you, you, you have other sins uh, higher up on the docket do you so today we're doing the last temptation of christ after 
fighting with my microphone for an hour and a half. Like I said, God does not want us to watch this film and certainly doesn't want us to talk about it. Okay, so today we're doing The Last Temptation of Christ, which premiered on the 9th of September, 1988, and was directed by Martin Scorsese. So this is definitely the heaviest movie we've done, and certainly the biggest director. Uh, it was written by Paul Schrader. He did the, screen, uh, the uh, screenplay based on the novel by Nikos Kazanskis. Sorry, Nikos. I can't have a little trouble with that one. So it stars Willem Dafoe as Jesus, Harvey Keitel as Judas, Barbara Hershey as Mary Magdalene, and David Bowie as Pontius Pilate. Now, here's the thing. This movie was made on a budget of $7 bucks, and it made $8.4 million. Didn't do well. Initially, this is a universal film, but initially it was supposed to be a Paramount film. It had a budget of $14 million, so twice the budget that it ended up with. They were going to film in Israel. That went away. They wound up in Morocco. And it was going to star Aidan Quinn as Jesus. Huh. And Sting as Pontius Pilate. I can, oh, my. Unfortunately, the only thing I have in my head is Sting in that leather thong from Dune screaming, I will kill him. Yeah, you, just... you don't get more 80s than that. <laughs> yeah, so what happened is Paramount kind of freaked out because there was so much uh, controversy over the book. Apparently, he bought the uh, rights to it like in 1972. He was filming some movie or another, and an actor said, here, read this book. And he loved it. He bought the rights. Everyone was afraid of this movie. And so Paramount backed away. By then, Aiden Quinn and Sting had gone, I'm out. And he pulled this one off. He went with, you know, Willem Dafoe, I think, actually made a pretty good Jesus. I know you disagree. <laughs> I guess that's thing we should probably state right off the bat, huh? Normally, this wouldn't matter, but I'm an atheist from a family of Jews. So Christianity isn't really my jam. On the other hand... I'm a Catholic from a large Irish family. Ah, so... Stereotypes in full force. I'm going to go in after this and in, into a hedonistic orgy, and you're just going to start a bar fight. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, this is going to be a hell of a podcast to end the and the and uh, and uh, we we came from the '80s with. So yeah. So this like this movie. I was saying it was wicked controversial, and not for the reasons it should have been. Like I think theologians like. First off, the Greek Orthodox Church tried to excommunicate good old Nikos. They didn't manage it. They came close. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, I think, talked about punting Scorsese, who, by the way, is a devout Catholic. He's, as de well, if anyone likes Scorsese, I'm guessing he's not from the Green Isle, but he's, uh, you know, he is a devout Catholic. So, I mean, it was religiosity from beginning to end with this thing. But a lot of people were really pissed off. And I, I think what pissed them off, first off, is the idea that they portray Jesus as not being perfect. Yeah, and that's... I mean, you're gonna, I'm sure you're going to get into much more detail, but I know these are sort of the complaints, that he was portrayed as being very human, very fallible, very unsure of himself. The interesting thing is that right-wing evangelical political figures like Jerry, you know, Jimmy Swaggart and, you know, these sorts of guys, they latched onto this movie mostly to get their base riled up. But they couldn't split theological hairs, so they got a hold of that picture where Judas betrays Jesus by kissing him on the lips. And they said, look, there's going to be a gay scene. And, you know, even during the filming, my understanding is that Martin Scorsese actually, he had to almost work on this in secret. Like he had a second office set up just for this film so that people wouldn't like spy on him. When I listened to the director's commentary, they had Willem Dafoe on it. He's a smoker. He wasn't allowed to smoke in costume because they didn't want to risk a picture of Jesus Christ sitting on a rock sucking on a cigarette. <laughs> like it was, that would be the, the, the best picture ever. 
okay. Well, may, maybe not best, but, yeah. you know. Your priest is taking notes. Uh, yeah, like, this film, like, when it was entered into, I think I think it was the, the, the Cannes Film Festival, a, an, an Italian director withdrew his movie out of protest. Blockbuster would not have this in their stores. They, they banned it. Well, they banned it. They just didn't purchase any. Uh, you could not find this for the longest time. For me, like, I saw it on Super Channel. You know, pay TV back in the day. That's how I saw it. Certainly my parents weren't going to take me to it. They just didn't. It wasn't a religious thing. They just didn't care. They didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. But for me to get this, I had to buy the Criterion DVD. You ever seen those things? They're like, Criterion is a company. I don't know if they're still around, but they used to put out these like premium DVDs. These were for serious film students. Like this was an $80 DVD. Holy. Yeah. And then, you know, five years later, Passion of the Christ came out and Universal pumped out Last Temptation of Christ on a DVD for 10 bucks. But, you know, you got, like, all the production notes, production stills. You got any background video they happened to film. Uh, an amazing uh, director's commentary where they don't want you to just flap your gums. Like, they want they want you to do a... When Criterion asks you to do a, a director's commentary for your film, they want a serious cinephile treatment. Like, for cinephiles like me, like, real film buffs. Yeah. So, uh, I got what I paid for, but that's what it took. Like, no one wanted to touch this film. I, I remember there was quite an uproar yeah. uh, when it came out. I was not an adult, clearly, but I, I, I remember the fuss. Well, this is 88, so I would have been 13, so I would have put you about 16. Yeah. Ish. Ish, but uh, at 16 I was doing a lot of other stuff. I was yeah. sports and... You mean you weren't deep into theological discussions of Jesus? Actually, no, I was, I was deep into soccer and uh, hockey and... Running. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and it's funny, the, the controversy hasn't even really gone away. I worked at a Rogers video back when there was such a thing. And we had the, uh, we had the DV, uh, sorry, the VHS stolen on us once. We found it in the garbage can, in, the, in, like a, in a dumpster bin around the corner. Some devout person had seen this, decided it was sinful, and, t- and walked out the door with it. We didn't catch it, you know, the beeper didn't go off or whatever. That was a rickety old, I mean, this was a 15-year-old DVD at this point. And they turfed it. Criminal mastermind. Well, I caught it that night because it was a big space. (laughs) I know that. I happen to know that's where it was. Oh, hey, look, we have Last Temptation of Christ. Cool. And I said, who we saw, you know, who we rented? It was a Monday night. We had six customers all day. And the other guy, Ryan, says, we didn't sign that. I went, what? So we go looking around, and, and we happened to find it that night when we went to throw out the garbage at the end of the night when... They had they'd thrown it in a, it was sort of a low, one, not one of those big bins, yeah. but a lower one. But I was able to see it. They just sort of threw it in. Which, uh, 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 you know. There's, there's so much wrong there. Yeah, like, you were saying it's like, how did you say it? It's like. It's like uh, Religion is not always the same as faith. Well, that's absolutely true. You compared it to World War Z. I thought that was. Oh, that's right, that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, so the, uh, this movie has as much to do with the. The Catholic Catechism, as the World War Z movie had to do with the book, so it's based on the back cover. It, it, the names are basically the same. <laughs> uh, after that, zip. So, and that's the thing. I mean, I think even before we even get into the story, like for me, this was 1988. I would have been in this was what January 88, September 88. So I would have seen it in 89. So I would have been in like grade probably that summer. So I would have been like I would grade eight or nine. So. This was really my first theological exposure to Christianity in, in, in any way, whether it's quote-unquote accurate or not. Like, 
up until then, like I went for, to Hebrew school from junior kindergarten through grade three. I went into grade four, but it was, you know, it was a secular school. Obviously, I didn't go to a Catholic school. Religion wasn't something I really talked about with anyone. I was the only Jew in my elementary, grade four, five, and six. I was, for a while, a friend with the only Muslim, uh, but it turned out he was a jerk. Uh, we didn't you know, have nothing to do with him being a Muslim. Just, <laughs> just, you know, just Sammy happened was an to asshole. Yeah. I don't care what religion he was. You know, what kind of theological discussion do you have when you're in grade four? You know what I mean? Like, I went into a junior high that was as waspy as could be, as white Anglo-Saxon Protestant as you could possibly find. I was definitely the only Jew there. Uh, certainly, we did not have theological discussions there, though I was friends with the only two Mormons in the school. And they're they're their own thing. The wasps and other. Other, yeah. You know, but so this was my first, like, certainly this is the first movie of Jesus I ever saw. You know, Martin Scorsese, he watched all those films that came out of the 50s about the lives of saints. And one comment he had made, and I think maybe it's why I like this film, he'd said that you were almost, when Jesus walked onto the screen in any of these other movies, you almost couldn't see him because you were blinded by all the stage lights they had pointed at his head. Yeah. Almost couldn't hear the dialogue for the children's choir following behind them. And the only reason that, that the apostles knew what to say to Jesus is they had the script in their hand. Obviously, he's speaking jokingly, but just they were so reverent, it was almost choking. Yeah. And this is a guy who grew up like that. You know, that kind of reverence every Sunday at church. It's like the scene in the Holy Grail. I don't remember that, I'm afraid, but yeah. <gasps> oh, I, I saw that once. It was so never my thing. But God comes, uh, well, cartoon God comes on a cloud, and, yeah. and they're, they're all grovelly, and there's music and light and god's like knock it off i, I just want to talk to you yeah and, and that's the thing i think what he was trying to go for here and part of that is they had to make it on so little money yeah. um, but even 14 million bucks back then actually well 15 million for top gun and that was pretty slick i imagine he could have made a slicker film if he'd wanted to but i appreciate that he didn't that everything's dirty like literally yeah, dirty. Oh, filthy um, yeah you know everything's very i mean this is a nature of having only a little bit of money and filming in the middle of nowhere in morocco uh, is that there's everything's very sparse or not massive crowds you know jesus wears something very simple but he's always he's dusty and the places he lives are he, like, he's not a wealthy man yeah i have no idea what the bible says about him being wealthy by the way one thing i guess we'll do is i'm not going to every five seconds say well i don't believe any of this stuff we're just going to go from the premise that this is all this is the movie we're talking about, so yeah. I'm not going to continuously assert my atheism. Yeah, we're talking about a movie. We're talking about a movie. We're talking about a story. But, you know, I I purposely wanted you on this with me because I wanted someone who was devout in some way, whether it was an evangelical. I did ask someone they weren't comfortable. You're devout-ish, I think is the way you... Devout-ish. Devout-ish. Yeah. Fair enough. You attend church. That's more than I, I, you know, do. So, you know, good dichotomy here. So... You know, Jesus, like when he talks about God talking to him, he talks about it in a very negative way. Talons, you know, like an eagle's talons in the back of his skull. And he and being confused and stuff like that. Like, there's a grittiness to the way Scorsese presents even the relationships among these people. Yeah. Like, Judas thinks the other guys are idiots. Um, <laughs> you know, at one point, they go into the wedding, yeah. pats him on the back, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny to listen to one of the apostles turn it out, don't touch me. You know, it's just, there's a dirtiness to this. Even the way they have the quote-unquote trial of Jesus, like, it's not in... Where does the Bible say the actual trial, like, the, the encounter I mean, with Pontius Pilate took place? I'm not I'm not sh sure what it actually says, but t typically it's, it's portrayed Presented. as... Um, 
in a like a in his uh, audience chamber yeah. or his court or his court or 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 something like that. Yeah. Whereas here, and 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 when I listen to the, uh, I'm going to lean very heavily on the director's commentary because it's from the director. He'd said. He thought, no, that's bullshit. This guy is just some bum off the street causing trouble. He's not going to do this. He's not going to give him any importance. He's busy brushing his horse in the stable. So that's where they bring Jesus. Yeah. Into a stable. He doesn't have 50 guards. He's got one guard. And he tells him to go away. Because Jesus clearly isn't going to hurt him. He's just this grubby guy with his hands bound. Yeah. You know, Pontius Pilate, for the first few seconds of the conversation, could barely be bothered to stop brushing his own horse. Well, it's, it's, it's supposed to be in the evening, too, right? Yeah, I guess so. So it, it, it would have been after hours. They would have got him out from whatever he was doing to c- come, come talk to this guy. So they had him in the, in, the, in the room where the peasants are tried. Yeah. Somebody had to go get him out of his bed. And, hey. Yeah. But I like that they did it in the stable. Yeah. It gives that sort of grittiness to it. Like even the Roman soldiers, if you notice, none of them are in Roman. They're barely in Roman armor. If yeah. you took those helmets off them, you would say, who the hell are these people? Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've seen The Passion of the Christ, again, theologically, I, I can't speak to it, but a gorgeous production. But they've got the full segment, segmente armor, you know, the cool shoulders, and the whole nine yards. Yes. But here he's almost presented Israel as, well, not Israel, Judea as what it was to the Roman Empire, which is this crappy little backwater that was between two more, two, it was between two important places. Yeah. Egyptus and Byzantium, modern day uh, Istanbul. It was just in the. It was on the way, and so they grabbed it. And so the the legion that was there, by the way, was Gallic, French. You, you didn't want. It's sort of like the RCMP. You're not allowed to patrol your. Yeah, own you, can, you can't patrol your own people. Yeah, yeah. They, they send you. They send you. Like, if you're from Alberta, they may send you to Saskatchewan. You're not allowed to patrol your own community. The Romans kind of did the same thing when it came to legions. If they, you know, if if you're if it wasn't a an Italian legion, they would move you. So the Gal, you know, Gaul is modern day France. They sent them. To Jerusalem, and holy shit, they must have been miserable in that desert. Holy. But they look like this backwater regiment that, you know, it's too goddamn hot to wear the armor, so they wear their helmets so you know they're Roman, and they've got the gladius sword. But, like, even they're just dirty. And like I said, I wonder how much of that is purposeful and how much of that is they had no money. (laughs) That's just the way it was, yeah. But I like that. I like the fact that Jesus does not talk in declaratory statements, hear me, for I am the son of God, and I come... Like, he, he doesn't sound like Troy McClure. Yeah. Not to be pithy about it. I get it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, again, he, he's not being followed around by a children's choir and 20 guys with spotlights. He's just this angry dude. Yeah. Who sometimes doesn't say it right. And sometimes isn't sure what he's going to say until it just falls it out of just his happens, mouth. just happens, yeah. And I really kind of like that feel that this is a guy who doesn't have all the answers. He's waiting as much as everyone else. He just happens to be the first one to get him. <laughs> so, and I'm not sure how that compares to what you learned in Sunday school. As a 100% one. inaccurate. Okay, fair enough. So give me the, the real thing. Uh, everyone, Mary knew he, Mary knew. She, Which Mary is a bunch of them. Mary, his, uh, Mary mother Mary, of the, okay. His mom. <laughs> she was conceived without original sin. Yes. She conceived him without original sin. She was conceived without original sin. Wait, what? She was conceived. A hundred percent. Mary was a hundred percent pure. Okay. She knew what he was um, when he was 13 in Jew- Jewish tra- tradition. He was a man. Barbenstead, yeah. 13, they l- lost him on the way home from some Goddamn thing that I can't there. remember. Yeah. They f- found him in the temple teaching and he said something about 
wouldn't you, you, you should have known I would be about my father's work. Yeah. And uh, up until then, did they know? Or oh yeah, they knew a hundred percent. They knew. Okay. And he was, and God's voice was gentle. Right. He knew God, he had a relationship. It was not, yeah. it was Talons not hard. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, wasn't talents in the head. Yeah. He wasn't schizophrenic or whatever they were trying to portray. <laughs> um, but Mary was too worried about it. 13, he was still her son. Yeah, of course. And then he disappears. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about him between 13 and the wedding at Cana. Really? Okay. When the wedding at Cana happens, he's just there with his mom. Oh, okay. They re- so here he's there with the disciples. Yeah, this, uh, okay. This, this, this is fanfic at best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, they're at this wedding and Mary's, Mary's friends run out of wine and then she asks Jesus to fix it. And he looks at her and says, are you sure? Because... Yeah. Once it starts, it, you know, I I waited till, and now you're asking me to, like, yeah, to, to I, I stopped, and now you, you're sure. And yeah. she's like, I'm sure. Do what he says. To the, she says, do what he says to the servants. Yeah. And the servants do it, and then and then it's it all wine. starts. Oh, okay. um, and then they so, drink it, and the wine turns back into water. <laughs> <laughs> well, after a, a few hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, here, I assume this is from the book. I've not read the book, and I could not tell you how much of a direct translation the book to the movie is other than probably it's not in Greek. Uh, it, was a, it was a Greek author, so I can yeah. only assume it was originally written in Greek. You know, Jesus is portrayed as this guy who, who, who he says he doesn't want this. Like he, he's portrayed as a carpenter who builds the horizontal bits of the crucifix to piss yeah. God off. So God will choose someone else. He doesn't want it. And he says, you know, when God does reach out to him, it's pain, it's, uh, it's fainting spells and headaches and, you know, things like that. And as much as he knows it's inevitable, it's like he's fighting it. And, you know, for a young Jewish kid who at this, by this point was atheist, sort of watching this movie, I look and I think, well, that's interesting because it means, I don't think it's meant to be taken as gospel. I, I <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not meant to be taken literally. I think the whole idea is that this is, this is Nikos, the author and, and Martin Scorsese, the director asking questions about their faith and I've always, I always respect that. I'm, I'm more respectful of, even, even as an atheist and a humanist, I'm more respectful of a devout Christian who asks questions than of an atheist who's 100% sure of themselves because they know better. Hmm. Why wouldn't you ask questions? And I look at this and I think, this is kind of neat. Here's a guy who, you know, obviously he's, he's portrayed in a very, you know, this relationship is uh, between him, Jesus and God is a little touchy. And I like the idea that the people writing this and the people presenting this movie, they're wondering, well, how great could this have been? Yeah. Well, what if, right? Well, what if? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fanfic. Fair enough. But I don't think it's fanfic. Like, I, I never liked fanfic in the in the literal sense, you know, like. No, it's terrible. You know, because it's. The difference, you know, someone asked me, like, for some author, and someone asked me, what's the difference between fanfic and, a, and, a, and another novel? And I said, fanfic is ultimately by the fans, for the fans, about the fans. It's selfish. Yeah. I've always wanted to see Harry Potter get it on with Hermione Granger. Let me write that out. Oh, not the... Ew. No, yeah. I'm not talking about Slash. I'm not yeah. even talking about... I'm talking about just, like, anything. I've always yeah. wanted to see James Kirk... Uh, lead, a, lead a revolution and declare himself emperor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's about you, it's about the ego of the writer. And, and I guess that's great if you're trying to exercise your writing skills. But I don't think this is fanfic in that way. I think this is Nikos trying to figure out what Jesus means to him, what these stories and what the Christian message means to him. And 
in his mind, I think it's as much about his struggle mm-hmm. as it is like like it even says we should we should read oh, it. Oh yeah, like the that's a good quote. The dual substance of Christ, the yearning so human, so super, so superhuman of a man to attain God has always been a deep, inscrutable mystery to me. My principal anguish and source of all my joys and sorrows from my youth onward has been the incessant, merciless battle between the spirit and the flesh. And my soul is the arena where these two armies have met and clashed. That's the author. That's from the book. And Scorsese presents that, you know, the very beginning of the movie. And I think it's perfect. It's, you know, we talked about Arianism, not Zichael Arianism, not that crap. But this guy, this dude named Arius from the, like, the 500s or whatever, and he had this idea that Jesus was mortal, and that be, like fully mortal, yeah. not fully mortal and fully divine, which I think is the actual standard kind of. Yeah, he was he was fully both. Yeah. He's fully both. Again, the he's, joys he's, of a mystery religion. Yeah, he's sinless. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Arius, Arius, whatever, had said, no, no, this guy was fully human, and it was a journey. He ends up being fully divine. And, and, of course, the, the very, very young Roman Catholic Church at the time said, cool idea, we'd like to invite you to a barbecue. And, they, and, that's, <laughs> how, and that's how they fit, that, that's what happened to poor Arius. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure they burned him at the stake. You know, hmm, meat falls right off the bone. So, <laughs> different sort of barbecue. But, you know, that sort of, that sort of uh, how would you put it, that, that kind of view of Jesus, this idea that it wasn't easy. It wasn't just that, yeah, he has to have the shit beat out of him and, you know, whipped with a cat of nine tails and the, and the, and the thorns and the nails and hanging out on the cross and the hot weather and dying and all that, you know, whatever, all the standard stuff, that it had to be an intellectual and a, an emotional struggle too. Yeah. And, and this is how he presents that. Again, I don't think he's trying to pawn off the last temptation of the Christ as the true story that they don't want you to know. I don't for a minute think that's what it is. It's sort of like a, a black kid drawing Jesus as a black person. Because in their mind, that's what God is. God is them. I don't think they mean it literally, though he probably was pretty brown-skinned. Yeah, he was, he's, he's probably he was, not a, he wasn't a, not pasty, a pasty white, white guy. blonde guy, no. Yeah, um, and, you know, but, you know, the, the kid drawing that drawing, or someone drawing uh, Jesus as Asian-looking, yeah. or native-looking, or pick your whatever yeah it's not meant to be literal it's he's me it's a thought experiment it's a thought experiment it's also this this belief that you know god is everywhere god is what we need him to be again my theological training is very different than yours i mean i I was raised jewish ish you know not not very (laughs) jewish ish i like that not very not very devout we didn't go to synagogue a lot but my training in religion is from a historical point of view my first degree was ancient and medieval history strangely enough in medieval history christianity comes up once or twice. But in the Roman era, it's a curiosity. And things that Christians make a huge deal of, historically, to the Romans were a speed bump. Like, I had a, f- a friend explain, you know, trying to explain to me, uh, was one of the guys I hung out with in university, he had joined something called the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. A cool group. I used to have breakfast with them on Friday morning, and they joined us, and whatever. It was university. I was hungry on a Friday morning. <laughs> and she's trying to explain to me, like, what a big deal it was that the, that the Romans used to execute Christians because they knew it was the truth. When someone mm. tells you that in truth, that or in church, that probably sounds great. The reality was... Romans Ro- executed a lot of people. Yeah, they did. And the reason they didn't like Christians had nothing to do with the message. They didn't care. In Rome, there was a, a temple called... And I'm going to destroy the pronunciation. 
the temple of Jupiter Dolichenus. Jupiter Dolichenus. Jupiter is Zeus, right? Yeah. It's the god. Um, Dolichenus is this fuck-off town at the bottom of a mountain in modern-day Turkey that they marched through. And instead of conquering it, they looked around and said, well, you know, you're like us. You pray to the thunder god on this mountain. Hey, have you heard of Jupiter? And so as a sign that we share a god, they built this big fucking temple in Rome and named it Dolichenus. Now, that's purely propaganda. That's, yeah. that, that's relations. But they didn't care that, they, that these people worship their thunder god differently. They didn't care. Their issue with, with Christians is that the, the Christians would not swear an oath to God. And so they thought, well, if you won't swear an oath to God, that makes you an atheist. And that they didn't like. Oh. That was the, you know, so there's a difference between how other people approach Christianity, which would be, I guess, me and this podcast, and how you would approach it. It had nothing to do with whether they liked the vision or not. Do you think some Roman commander marching in from God knows where went, I hear it, it's the truth, I must, you know, suppress it. No, he's just here to keep it. He's doing his job. He's doing he his job, man. He wants to go ass, home. Yeah. yeah, he wants to go home. Um, and that's the thing. It's like Pontius Pilate. You have any idea when people pop up? This is a Judeo-Christian thing. The messiahs are always popping up. Yeah. Joan of Arc, all these people. Well, they, they, they still are. Walk downtown. You know, it's a thing with Jews. Because of course, Jews are still waiting for the messiah. right? And so anytime there's strife, Jews and Christians have picked this up too. They're always waiting for that, for you guys, the second coming. And so, you know, when Joan of Arc came along, she was one of a dozen nutbags yeah. who showed up screaming, I am the word and the Lord. Because when there's strife, what do you wait for? Who do you hope will deliver you from that when your king can't? God. Right? And so, you know, for Pontius Pilate, he must have gone, oh, fuck, another one of these dudes? <laughs> like, come on, man. And I love that they portray that here. It's like, yeah. He's not reverent. This is he says you're just another Jewish politician. You can't do any magic tricks for me because he doesn't get it. He doesn't yeah. get that the message isn't magic. Uh, it, the message is a different, a new world that's, you know, come and get it. <laughs> um, and, and he's like, okay, you're just another politician. Yeah. Buddy. You know what's going to happen now? We're going to hammer your ass up on Golgotha. Though he's much nicer about it. He's, you know, yeah, we, he, we got a spot for you. <laughs> yeah, we got a spot for you in Golgotha, um, Golgotha, whatever. And it's just it's this whole idea that. They took all the sacred cows out of the Gospels and sort of hit you raw with the story and dare you to to think about Jesus and what he went through anew. And I kind of appreciate that. Though, as you say, it's blasphemy. Is that a fair, is that a fair judgment? It's blasphemous? Uh, probably. I'm not a good judge of that because I tend to think and ask questions. Fair uh, enough. But let me put it this way. But Are you bringing this to church next Sunday to show the priest? Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, but and I kind of like that, that it dares to be blasphemous. Yeah. I mean, not, but I don't think it's in a disrespectful way. Or do you? What, you, you tell me, what do, you, do you find this movie disrespectful? Very much. I'm, really? I'm, I'm very torn by this movie. I am at once in, 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 incredibly offended. And it's really well done. It's a very good movie. Yeah. How offended? Like, do you think, do you see Martin Scorsese, like, giving you the finger? No, or, no, I just, I just. Or is it just that it's wrong? It's it's so wrong. It's um. But is there a? I'm not being facetious here. Is there a greater truth they're trying to communicate to you by being wrong? You know what I mean? No, I I, I like are I they getting like, the details wrong to get the message right? I don't know. The message isn't right either. Um, it's it's uh, it's just wrong. Okay. Uh, apart from how I was raised and what I was taught, mm-hmm. I have a relationship with you know, God and Jesus mm-hmm. and 
because I'm not like I actually believe it. I actually have a, okay. a relationship with him, and okay. it's so wrong. This this isn't it. Okay. This it's um. Now, would you say that's your personal relationship, or is it the relationship Catholics are expected or Christians? Again, I I don't. I could tell you about the history of the Catholic Church and the history of the very Protestant religions and all that good stuff, but I don't have the insider's view, so that's what I'm asking you. Yeah, like, like I, I can only speak for myself. Okay, that's but fair I enough. Don't like, but I have a big family. Yeah. We're all Catholics. Yeah. Some of us fell away. Some of us are priests. Mm. Really? Um, yep. Oh, okay. Um, so there's there's a range. I'm k- k- kind of in the middle. Uh, Weren't you going to be a nun at one point? No. Uh, <laughs> does that... that that was someone else's career plan for me, but, um, <laughs> okay, uh, how'd that go? To, Let's ask your son <laughs> and your husband. <laughs> well, well, yeah. um, t- to be fair, uh, I, I could have done it. Um, I haven't without, I don't see, I don't, I don't know if I, if I'm good enough, but it, it wouldn't have been so bad. Like I, I could have gotten behind the prayer and the service and the, relationship with god and all and all that i've got no problem with that part i just i just didn't want to live in a convent um (laughs) sometimes yeah that that's that's the big reason i didn't do it um you like video games too much i like video games (laughs) i like sports i like yeah really honestly it's video games and movies and sports and i i want it to be normal so this idea that but um, like this that's not it okay uh so i mean Maybe that's someone else's experience of yeah. God. Well, and clearly, I mean, we just we read that thing, and clearly that's and, his issue, you right? Know? So if if that's what he feels and sees, he he needs to talk to a a, a really good priest or or something because. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because, and, and and I'll try to say this without, you know, pissing off every Catholic I know, um, and I was going to listen to this. <laughs> is it that you come from a very highly structured church? If I had an evangelical sitting here where it's, you know, whether we're talking about a, you know, a normal evangelical or the snake handling way out there over the deep end, <laughs> you know, you know, that line yeah. we cross, look behind you, like that kind of far out there. Would they look at it and say, no, no, there's, there's no scholarship. It's about me and a Bible in my hand and where I go from here. Do you think they would look at that differently or would you say that this is more of a pan Christian thing? Like, um, they would, they would, they would probably see it differently. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the things where Catholics and the rest of the Christians are, are separate. Mm-hmm. Um, is because we like the structure. We, yeah, well, same with the, same with the Greek and the Orthodox churches yeah. in the East, same, same thing. So, I mean, sometimes you hear from, from, from the other Christians that the structure gets in the way of the relationship mm-hmm. with God. I hear that a lot from, from evangelical friends. But, um, there's, there's churches in the way. Yeah. That they feel it's in the way. See, I don't, I don't get that, because I, I kind of like the Catholic setup. Well, I mean, enough. clearly it's got problems. There's, there's, there's always, that's a whole yeah, other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah name, uh, me, name me uh, yeah, an organization anywhere that doesn't have problems. Yeah, it has, I mean, it has we, so many problems. Well, but we're, we're, a, we're a podcast about movies, and the movie industry is currently going through a Me Too movement, much deserved. So <laughs> there ain't nothing that's perfect in this world. Right. So, but I actually kind of like that neither is he. Yeah. Neither is Jesus. He's he's meant to be imperfect. Like, okay, maybe it's a little much that he he makes uh, uh, crosses to piss off God, and then he you know he the first thing we see him do is is partake in well after Judas slips around and slaps him around and yells at, yells at him, please stop yeah. doing this. You know, we see him partake in a crucifixion. He helps. Yeah. He doesn't do the nail thing, but no, he never he well, never yeah. did that. But I think the idea here is that he's 
Yeah. He's 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 rebelling against dad. He's a teenager. You know, yeah, he's well, being like a teenager. One of the s- central t- tenets of of my faith, though, mm-hmm. is that Jesus fulfills the promise that we can't keep ourselves. Yeah. And repairs the relationship with God and mm-hmm. and and opens heaven to us. But is it not? Is it not worth considering the possibility that it took him a while to get there? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, but he. Well, fair enough. He was that. he was definitely a teenager, but he was he was at once man and God. The joys of a mystery. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. No. No. I mean, you know, like I said ancient and medieval history degree. I, yeah. There are plenty of mystery religions out there. The idea that. You'll never truly understand it till your your eyeballs deep in it, and then you'll get it. But also at the same and, time, and you still don't get it, and you still won't. Yeah, that's the idea. It's a mystery. Yeah. Accept it, but you know, do your best. Most mystery religions, though, are not evangelical. <laughs> that's true. I, I mean, that small e. Um, yeah. You know, like most of them, it's a private club. It's it's an interesting combination. But then, of course, you know, being a historian, I can see that form. But you know, maybe it's better if we look, if we sort of go through this movie kind of, sort of, and see how the, all the all these things manifest themselves. This is actually why I want to do this film, because when I mentioned I was going to do this, a lot of people said, why would you do a movie that heavy? Like, it's meant to be a fun podcast. But like, the point of film is it's meant to poke you, meant to make you think and ask questions. Yeah. And so Martin Scorsese, who, again, grew up like you did, probably way more devout, too. No offense, Pro- but... Probably, yeah. You know, like... He watched these films from the 50s and 60s about the lives of the saints and these sort, you know, these sorts of films, like the greatest story ever told, I think is the big one from the, the 60s. And he will, like he says, he got sick and tired of having to strain to hear Jesus over the sound of the children's choir that was always two steps behind him. And he had, he got sick of not being able to see Jesus because of all the, the spotlights on his face. And so he went right to the extreme almost. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could get more extreme, but you know. Well, and that's the other half. That's that's the other. That's the flip side of this movie for me. It's so well done. Well, it's Martin Scorsese, and look at the actors. Willem Dafoe. I'm convinced I would watch Willem Dafoe read the phone book. Yes. And Harvey Keitel, and even David Bowie. People sneer. Oh, he's a singer. No, no, no. He's a good actor. I actually like his acting better than 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 his singing. Well, everyone thinks of him as Jareth from from Labyrinth, which we'll yes. do someday. He was also he played Tes- Nikola Tesla in our great movie called The Prestige. Oh, I need to see that. You've never seen that? Um, it, it was on my list of, yeah, I should I should see that. It's, it's, um, it's good. He plays prob- Nikola Tesla. It's probably post-kid, right? Uh, 2000 or something like that. In any case. Oh, no. I was, he, uh, he's really away. good. You know, and he'd done a bunch of other, like he did The Man Who Fell to Earth, which was very much during his androgynous stage, and he's very much a non-character. Yeah. You know, it, it was sort of an experimental weirdo 60s, 70s film, and that's fine. But here, he does a darn good job. Like, I believed that he was a Roman governor. Yeah, 100%. I had no trouble with that. He looked um, remarkably healthy, actually. Well, this was in the 80s. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's dead now. He probably looks worse. But uh, <laughs> skinnier, much skinnier, anyway. He's much skinnier, yeah. But he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he does a good job. And I, I just, I really like that, that, you know, with, with this cast. But if you think Aiden Quinn, pretty good actor. Yep. Sting, oh my God, that would have been a fucking disaster. Again, I I, I, I... I can't get the leather the, out of my head. The leather, yeah, the leather so. thong and screaming, I will kill him. Um, but they chose well. Barbara yeah. Hershey, I think she has a wonderful job of Mary Magdalene as this angry prostitute who is angry with Jesus. Now, I don't know what the actual biblical relationship between Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene is. Here, the idea, I think, was that she she loved, she wanted to marry him, and of course he said no. Yeah. And she holds that against him. 
because it's forced her to become a prostitute. Or not necessarily forced mm-hmm. her, but... That, that, was, that was plan B, yeah. That was plan B, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... she could not love um, another man. That's, that's not in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the way they present her. She's, she's resentful, but she comes around when he saves her life. Mm. You know, so, you know, the first thing we see is we see him lying in a, in a grove somewhere. Um, and he talks about the pain. Yeah. The talons in the back of the head. He feels the burning in the back of the eyes. That's how he's describing God. I don't think it's his relationship with God. It's when God wants his attention. He gets it. He gets yeah. his attention. No, no, you're not listening. And then we see him in the house and he's, he's working with tools that I got to tell you are not accurate. Like maybe for some low class, low end carpenter, yeah. which I assume is what he was. I don't no, think he was a tradesman. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't working for the Imperial palace as well. Well, no. Right. So, but his tools are way clumsier than would have been available. People forget that the Middle East, like especially yeah. Persia, they were an advanced civilization when Romans were still scratching it on the dirt before yeah. there was Rome. Yeah, no, so, I, I was wondering about that because yeah, that was hacking like, away. And it's, it's a Bronze Age tool. Well, I mean, look, it's a. It's not like it has to stand up to the emperor, yeah. emperor's you know inspection. It's a. It's a it's cross. A, it's a cross. It's a crucifix, and he sort of he builds this thing, and there's this wild image where he tests it out. Yeah, he it's sitting on um like the. The horizontal bit is mounted on his wall, and he wants to see if it's long enough. So he puts his arms out, but he's facing away from the camera. I found that very striking. Yeah, it's like, like wow, it's, you know, <laughs> it's like getting beaten with foreshadowing. It's like, oh wow, okay, okay, I get but, it. But it's cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good shot. No one walks into this movie not knowing how it ends. Well, yeah, you know, at least no, no one's walking into this movie <laughs> nowhere. Um, and you know, so I like that. That it's just. It's looking at him like, dude, you do you have no idea where you where this is going for you, do you? It's like he's naive by doing that because he doesn't like he doesn't get the symbolism himself. Right. We're one step ahead of him. Yeah, because he doesn't even fully accept who he is. Who yet. he is? So more of the point, what he is. Yeah. Right. And then you know Harvey Keitel, Judas kicks in, and it's interesting. We don't know it's Judas. I mean, of course, I did because I knew it was I knew the cast. Well, yeah. But he's angry with Jesus, and he slaps. He actually slaps him around, and he he throws the cross off the wall and he stomps and he spits on it and he says, you know, you're, you're worse than the Romans. You're a Jew who kills Jews. You know, you're, you know, you're disgusting. I, you know, and, and, you know, Jesus says, like, but Judas, I, I don't know what else to do. I want God to stop. Yeah. And at this point, I don't know what Judas thinks. Like, does he think he's, you know, psychotic? Does he think he's, well, they don't have a term, but does he think he's mentally ill? Does he really yeah. think God is talking to him? Yeah. It's hard to tell because this is a, a poor, poorly educated country bumpkin you know these aren't worldly city dwellers you know what yeah. i mean like go into a go into the you know the ozarks and how many of these people think that it's god talking you know what i mean like yeah. and that's not to denigrate them but you know less education more religion yeah, yeah. you know and, and and it's clear that judas is very frustrated with them and this is where we learn that judas is a zealot right which of course today when we hear zealot we hear fanatic yeah but then zealot was just a word it, it just oh, just, it did. It didn't mean not far then. Well, it came to me because the zealots were pretty zealous, but oh. that's where we get the term from. Uh, it's like when we hear dictator, we think of what Trump wants to be and what Putin really is. is. Yeah, but dictator is an old Roman uh, constitutional office. When when uh, the shit hits the fan and you can't wait to have a vote in the Senate, you appoint a guy dictator for six months, and he can he can be a dictator in the modern sense. But at the end of it. 
His term is over. Uh, democracy comes back and he goes on tri- trial and he has to justify what he did. Cool. Right. So the term dictator comes from that. The same with zealot. Back then, you're a zealot didn't mean you were a crazy guy. It meant you belong to a group called the zealots and you act in this way, which will forever be known as zealots. Seen. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I learned something. Yeah. So he's a zealot. So he's, I mean, the very next scene, in fact, we see is even before the, the crucifixion is Keitel taking down some Roman soldiers. And we never even really see why he does it. He stabs them. One guy breaks a neck. He runs <laughs> off and that's sort of it. That, that neck breaking was so bad. Silly. Yeah. Neck breaking is never as easy as you see in the movies. Like, here, watch. I just turned my head. To the he, left. he wiggled his head a little. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't hear me crack and slump over because that's not how necks work. But um, yeah, neck breaking doesn't really work unless you twist the guy like exorcist. Yeah, I, I'm not strong enough to yeah, do. Yeah, let's not do. Let's not try. But and then immediately goes back to Jesus and him. He, you know, he's carrying the cross for this condemned guy. And it's interesting because to keep himself standing up straight, he has this like spiky belt. Did you see that? Well, that wasn't to keep himself standing up straight. That's that? um, it's like a. Is it a punishment it's, thing? Uh, not a punishment. It's some. Um, I can't. I don't. I don't remember the, like it's, the term it's, for it. It's like. Well, it's like those punk belts you see. It's like for, self-inflicted pain to keep your mind focused on God or, is, is that what or it is? something. Yeah, some of the some oh, of the. Okay. Uh, I just assumed it was to keep his back straight. No, it's, it's, like, it's you know, some of the more extreme, crazy religious guys. You you probably read the Da Vinci Code, right? No, but I've seen the movie. Oh, and yeah, this, that, uh, like the guy. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he wore show, yeah. one of them too. Yeah, there is a group out there that does that, but yeah. it's, for them, it's just a minor pinch. It's just a reminder. Yeah, that's funny. I was assuming. You know, that wasn't a that wasn't a weight belt. Okay, uh, well, I just thought it was meant to keep, because it's, for those of us, you know, for those listening who don't know, it looks like sort of the dog collars that punk people use, but it... Only inside out. Inside out, the spikes yeah. pointed inward. I, I'll be honest, I really did think it was to force him to keep his gut sucked in and keep his back straight while mm. he hauled this thing. I didn't realize huh. it was... No, a, it's a self-inflicted pain thing. Oh, you Christians are fucking weird. We're going to get so much from... Oh, man, I know, right? This. You know, and they're sort of dragging this guy up, you know, through the streets, this this criminal. They never... Actually, they did show what he did. Seditio. That's that's the crime. That, sedition. That, yeah, sedition. Yeah. Oh, hey, remember, I got remember, one. They say, you know, he said the Messiah is coming. He said... Remember, they read out the charges. Yeah. But in the meantime, this guy is begging the people standing along on the side of the road to help him. Like, you're the children of Israel. God is watching. What are you doing? Why aren't you helping me? And, of course, no one's going to help because religious fervor aside occupied countries tend to be cowed by overwhelming military force. Yeah. Everybody there likes breathing and eating and having alive children. Yeah. And, and you know, the Romans, you know, their, their pension for brutality is well earned. You know, there's a reason Romania is called Romania because the locals were wiped out. They decided they needed new con- land to conquer. So they killed all the men and shipped women off to slave camps. And that was that. Like, Romans are not known for being nice. You fuck with them, they'll poison your well. Oh, well. You know... You, you, you can't be a nice guy and build an empire. Well, and that's the reality of it. And so, you know, of course... God, is that you? Hi, Cody! <laughs> yeah, it's Cody, my dog. It's not God. No, the punishment's already come. The hour and a half we spent fighting with the, with the recording. <laughs> Watch, we're going to find the whole thing. is just screwed. No! Um, and then, they, of course, they you get to see a crucifixion. And I'm not sure, like, it's not like anyone doesn't know what a crucifixion is, but maybe it's the idea that we're going to see in advance what this guy's going to go through. Yeah. And that he's taking part in it. Again, it's sort of like him testing out the cross in his house. Yeah. It's like, we are one step ahead going, dude, what are you doing? Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, it's, it's like screaming, don't go into the basement. Yeah. You know, turn, or at least turn on the lights first and don't go alone. <laughs> um, 
But I like that. Like, it's just that, you know, he's, you know, he, he's helping and no one wants him to help. Judas tries to stop him. His mom tries to get in the way. But he's doing this. He's not doing it for the money. He's doing it because, like he says, he, he, he hopes that he pisses God off and off enough. He'll choose someone else. Yeah. Even though he knows that's not going to work. And he admits it. He knows it's not going to work. But he's trying anyway. Yeah. And I, I get that's not doctrine. That's not gospel. You know, small g and large yeah. g. But I love the idea that this is a guy who has to struggle. It's not just that he's taking the physical pain. He has to think. He, he's got a way to go intellectually and emotionally mm-hmm. before he accepts what he's going to do for us all, says the atheist. But whatever. I promise I wouldn't keep saying that. Like we're just going with this. But, you know, like mom won't get involved. Like her mom tries to get involved and he doesn't want. And Judas tries to get involved. Yeah. Jesus says, fuck off. You know, and it's. It's, it's kind of neat. And then he, I guess, maybe this is how Jesus decides to go take a walk in the... I thought this was going to be the walk in the desert. I haven't seen this film in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to sort of... This would be he'd go off and meet Satan or whatever in the desert. And, right. But no, he sort of wanders off and he winds up in Magdalene's place. Yeah. Is that is that in there at all? No. No? Okay. No. So he goes to Magdalene's place and he sort of sits in the lobby with like 15 other dudes while yeah. she's having sex with... Client after client after client in full view. Yeah. And she's just sort of lying there while each of these guys gets the rocks off next, next. And one guy nudges Jesus, you're next, man. And she yeah, just, uh, go. And he yeah. just go ahead and he waits. And she's disgusted that partially that he watched, not from the voyeuristic point of view, but yeah. like you say you're too good for me. And yet you're here with all these men who are taking advantage of me. And I love that. Like she's so angry with him. Not that he's watched her, that he's seen her naked but that she loved him and he said no. And it's like, why are you rubbing my face in this? And yet she doesn't turn him out. She feeds him. And yeah. All those sorts of things. He says, you know, you can stay the night. I won't touch you. You'll still be a virgin for the desert in the morning. And he leaves anyway. Yeah. You know, but I like that relationship. Like, I have no idea what the actual relationship between the two of them not is. Not that. They, they did not grow up together. No? No. Oh, okay. No, but, they, they really. Okay. World War Z, man. It's okay, there's, there's, there's nothing right about this. But what I don't know. Like again, is it is it? I think what they were trying to go for is we're going to do wrong in the details to make you think about your relationship with God. I I, I keep thinking. I keep back going back to that. Think. Yeah. It, ask questions. Anything you know? that makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And ask questions. Think. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I compare this not to be crass, but you know, I did Star Trek two, three, and four at the podcast, and I kept referring to those. Those J.J. Abrams movies, which I fucking hate. And it's not that it's not the gospel. Again, I don't mean it in, you know. Yeah, no, no, I get get it. But it's like, I don't like them, not because they're not well made, because they're beautifully made. It's that these characters are idiots. Yeah. That James Kirk goes from being a, a, a studious, grim, he calls himself, cadet, who worked hard to be the youngest captain in Starfleet, to, it's your destiny. Fuck off. It, it, it took something we loved. And plugged it. it. And plugged it into the formula. Yeah, and, and they gutted it. Yeah. And that's what I found offensive about them. And I look here and I say, it's almost the J.J. Abrams approach. Let me change everything. The difference was that J.J. Abrams was trying to uncomplicate and, sim- and, and, and make things as simple and as brain dead as possible yeah. and failed horribly. Whereas here... Nikos, again, I wish I could pronounce this poor guy's last name. Uh, and, <laughs> you, you, and, you got a better shot than I do. Yeah, Nikos and Martin Scorsese were trying to 
we're trying to do reboots, but not to offend you and not to simplify it, but to force, to present it in a different way, to force you to think about what you already know. To force this discussion. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not bothered that it's blasphemous because to me, again, I look at it and go, okay, whatever. But, you know, as we said, what you believe is the result of 2,000 years of follow-through, of of intellectual and scholarly flow. Right. And why are Protestants different? Because they broke off 400 years ago. And so their flow goes in a different direction. And the Eastern Orthodox Church went in a slightly different direction. That's why there was the schism, you know, 500, 1,500 years ago. Right. Those are three branches with a lot of little little baby branches in there. But think of all the ones that didn't come about, like, Ar- you know, Arius or Arias, yeah. who was invited to a barbecue in his honor. You know, it's just the idea that this is, this is another way of saying, why not think about it this way? And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, this is, I mean, one thing I do know about the Gospels is they don't agree on a lot. No, there's... How, how, many, how many different accounts of the same damn event? Two, uh, three in some cases? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's four Gospels, and, um, and they're not, they don't occasionally match. they agree on stuff. Yeah, but I like that idea. The it's, it's, abrupt. it's different perspectives of the yeah. same event. But I, I like that you know, the church is simply going, ah, fuck, it's part of the mystery. Whatever, accept it. You know, it becomes part of the mystery. Whereas in a historian, I look at it and go, okay, well... Yeah, but... Well, one of you's got something wrong there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's sort of like the movie Rashomon. Or if you've ever seen uh, Usual Suspects, the same yeah. sort of thing. Rashomon, a wonderful film by Akira Kurosawa, about four or five different people taking shelter under a... Uh, a gate called the Rashomon Gate, all telling a story of a crime, all having very different perspectives. Hoodwinked. Well, I don't know that one. Uh, it's, a, it's a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the idea it's, is it's, it's a good cartoon. It's... Everyone telling a different story. Yeah. Which one is true? I, I mean, that was the whole point of Usual Suspects. Kaiser Soze tells you a story, and at the end of it, you realize, God damn it, I've been lied to. Yeah, I, I like that movie. It's yeah. really good. But I, I always sort of look at the, the Gospels like that. It's like, yeah. one of them's right, two of them are right, three of them are right, four of them are right, or none of them are right. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so this is just number five. Hey, here's another way to look at this. And it's really wildly different because why go by a degree when no one will talk about it? Like this forced discussion. It sure did. When Roger Ebert, also a devout Roman Catholic, I went back and I read his original review. He spent all of it talking about theology and not about the movie itself. See, that's that was a danger for me too because I was... So offended by the... Theological inaccuracy. Just so offended by that. Offended? Like, offended isn't how dare you? Or just, it's wrong and I'm bothered that it's wrong? It's wrong and I'm bothered that it's okay. it's, it's absolutely wrong. Do and you, but I, I think I already asked this once in this podcast. Do you feel that they're giving you the finger? No, it's not a it's not a personal affront. It's just... it's Inaccurate. It's so inaccurate. It's it's just not... It'd be like if I told you a story about World War II where the where the Nazis win, you go, dude, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. Like, every detail is wrong. Yeah. But, of course, an alternate um, history is meant to make you think right. about the truths of history. But on the upside, yeah. it's it's such a good movie. Yeah. We're, we're having this discussion. Yeah. We're, we're, we're thinking, we're growing. We're, but, like, some of the music in there was fantastic. Yeah, Peter Gabriel. Uh, he did music. Yeah, uh, and, um, like, like the, the lighting and the scenes and the it's such a good movie. Yeah. The so I, really I, I get why Ebert, I get it. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's, but even he, he commented in the review itself. It's like, I realized I spent half this review talking about theology, yeah. but maybe that's the point of the film. It's not just that it's a great film. He gave it four stars. Of course he did. Four out of four. Because it's a great film. Yeah. But at the same time, good movies, good art. Yeah. Art should, art should touch your head and your heart. Yeah. Like, how do you tell the difference between pornography, not in the sexual way, pornography and art? 
pornography is about your base instincts. Ew! Like torture porn. You're meant to go, ew! Gross. Or horror is very much pornography. Boo! You're meant to jump. You're not meant to go, wow, that boo made me really think deeply about the nature of life. No, you're meant to go, ah! Right? Right. Art should make you feel something emotionally. Deep, complex human emotions. But it should also make you think. Right. Whereas pornography is about poking a, a base instinct. Yeah. Horniness. Or or fear. Or revulsion. Food porn. Food porn. For, food, food porn. porn. Yeah. It's meant to make you drool. It's Pavlov's yeah. dog without the bell. That's pornography. This is art in its highest form. It's 100%. beautiful to watch and listen to. But it also makes you go, I need to think about this. I'm a freaking atheist humanist from a family of Jews. Jesus Christ doesn't find he's, a lot of... He's pretty much outside your he experience. Have a, yeah, yeah. He, he does not have a, a seat at my table. Yeah. Um, and yet, here I am thinking deeply about this. This is actually why, I've owned since we started this, I wanted to do this podcast because some people go, oh, I don't give a shit. Go, go make fun of a movie again. But I like that movies can make us have this conversation. Absolutely. You know. So, anyway, he goes out into the desert after having hang, hung with a whore. And he comes across this monastery. Uh, people think of monasteries in terms of Christianity, but the Jews had monasteries too. Yeah. And mostly it was go out and hang out in the desert and think deeply about God. And so this old man greets him and, and Jesus asks, because it's like twilight, it's like the sun's going down and he says, well, what, you know, do you guys always pray this late? He says, no, the master died, we're praying. Don't worry about praying with me. Chill. The next morning comes, Jesus goes to check in on the monks and the master is dead, yeah. It was the guy who greeted them the night before. Yeah, that and that's was awesome. where, is that John who hooked up with him first? Okay, you know what I mean. Um, is it, was that John who who talked to him, who ended up following him? Mm. No, no, never mind. That's right. I, for some I think it was Judas. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Judas in, the, in, the, in the Bible, it's Andrew and Saul called uh, Andrew. Andrew and his brother. In any case, yeah. Anyway. So. Remember, he's sitting on the side of the cliff talking with, the, I guess, the new head of the monastery. Yeah. And he says, you know, I've been waiting for God to talk to you my whole life. Yeah. Last night, my master came to you, and it wasn't him. It was God. He looked you in the eye and told you what to do. you got to go tell people about this. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that evangelizing doesn't come... Jesus doesn't think, hey, i got this cool idea. Let me go tell everyone. People have to go tell him, dude, you got this gift. He's talking to you, to your face. You can point to him. You can write down his words. Go tell people. I've been waiting my whole life for this shit. I like that. That everyone has to keep poking him. And then, of course, we bump into Judas. So did he not 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 realize that that not everyone can hear God? I don't know because they don't really talk about because the only other person he's had a conversation this conversation with is Judas. And Judas clearly, as we discussed, doesn't really understand what no. Jesus's problem is. Clearly not. But I don't think he thinks he's a nutball, and I don't think he thinks he's a jerk. He doesn't understand, which is why Judas, who it's clear Judas will stab you if you piss him off. He says as much. Oh, yeah, 100%. I love the people I love. I kill the people I hate. I could even kill someone I love if they did something bad enough. Because in this very scene, what happens? Judas has been sent by the zealots to kill him. Because clearly the zealots have had enough of this Jew who makes crucifixes and is a little uppity. Yeah, he's, a, he's a problem. He's a problem. He's also a little uppity in his relationship with God. What do you mean he talks to you and you have headaches? Excuse me? Yeah. You know, you know, as I've always said, if you encounter someone on the street who says God is talking to you, they don't need a priest. They need a psychologist. They need a doctor. Yeah, yeah they, need a, they need a doctor and medication. But, you know, Judas has been sent to kill him. And Jesus, do it. Please do it. Great. Get it over with. Yeah. And it's funny because he, he holds the knife up to his neck and drags it across not to hurt him. He goes, 
and she goes, <gasps> like, it's almost this, thank God. Like, yeah. it's partially fear, oh my God, my, my throat's been slit. Yeah. But it's almost like, it's over. And then, of course, he realizes it's, it's not. not. And Judas yeah. says, okay, I'm going to follow you, but if you waver, you're done. You're done. I'm going to kill you. But I like that, that Judas is presented as this old friend who is clearly on the other side of the scale. He's the other, he, like, he's, yeah. he's not a nice guy. No. I have no idea who Judas was beyond the dude who betrayed him. Like, I don't know yeah, I don't what really, his job was. Yeah. I don't or is he just some dude who hooked up with Jesus? Just some dude. Yeah. Whereas here he's presented as an old friend who's gone in the other direction. He is a revolutionary. And so he follows along, you know, with Jesus. And I like that. It's like, okay. I like the way the movie presents that the person least likely to buy into Jesus' shtick yeah. is the one who's going to trust him first. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. It, it, it makes for a good, in terms of story, it makes for a good dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Because he's like the anti-Jesus. And I don't mean the betrayal or anything yeah, yeah. like that. Get over that. But it's like, the guy's a a murderer. For the zealots. For the zealots. Like, he's not a nice man. And and yet he's going to go with the Prince of Peace. Yep. So, anyway, yeah. So they wander off. Like, you know, they bury the old man and he meets with... Uh... Actually, there's something else that happens that we miss. Is that these cobras appear. Yeah. And... They whisper, and they, you notice the cobras always whisper in Mary Magdalene's voice. Yeah. Because they represent his... Their, their uh, temptation. His temptation. Yeah. And he tells them to fuck off, and they disappear. And that's when the, the new head of the monastery goes, you've been purified. Yeah. This is your sin leaving your body. Mm-hmm. Go talk to people. Then Judas shows up. And I kind of like that, that something profound has happened to him. Okay, not really. Uh, a cobra came out and left. But yeah, well... Whatever. Yeah. You know, again, we're, we're going with it. We're running with it. It's, it's, it's a sign from God. You've been purified. Dude, go talk to people. And then what does God throw in his way? Like the anti-Jesus. Yeah. Like the guy, who, again, who's least likely to believe him. It says, okay, you got one chance. And then what happens after that? Oh, yeah, the next is the stoning. Again, yeah. I don't know how close the stoning of Magdalene here is compared to... Because that's what happens, right? He steps in and stops super, her from being stoned, Yeah, right? I, can't, I can't remember if it's her or not. There, There is a... I always a, thought it was. A, a stone, I could, I'd have to look it up. Oh, okay. It doesn't really matter, um, but... I but he he does indeed stop us a, a, a stoning of yeah, like he was without sin through the might first be, stone. Uh, right. Yeah. But I, if it is if it is Magdalene, that's the first time they meet. Okay. Like they're not old childhood friends. Fair enough. Uh, I kind of like the relationship. I get yeah, that it's, it's cool. It's a good I idea. It's, it's, it's a neat idea though. But I like the idea that he has relationships with all these people. Yeah. And the people who know him most think he's full of shit. Yeah, because he, he, well, yeah. But he has to prove himself. Because he grew up with these guys. Yes. Yeah, but he has to prove himself, and I love that. Yeah. You know, and so they drag him, and they said it's bad enough that she sleeps with that, that she that she's a whore. So she sleeps with Romans, and she does it on the Sabbath, yeah. which Old Testament law says, "Bye, bye, bye, you're done." You know, that, that's what I, I guess I, I never understood that there there's this there's this particular strain of Christian out there that is obsessed with Leviticus, which is like hardcore, angry, yeah. You, yeah. Old Testament fire and brimstone law, like you you know, there's a, a six zillion things you can do that'll get you stoned in the streets, and they all seem to you know like. Oh, yeah. I have, I have a tattoo. That's why I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Fair enough. You're screwed. My favorite was the picture of this, this evangelical who had tattooed on his arm the quote from Leviticus banning, <laughs> Thou shalt uh, not, ban- yeah. banning uh, homosexuality. It's like, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Yeah. If God is real, you're gonna, <laughs> that conversation is going to go for a bit. Um, but he's like, you can go to hell or you can just leave your arm at the door. What's it going to be? But uh, I, people like that I never quite got. Um, I always call them the Gilead crowd, you know, from Handmaid's Tale, the ones who want Gilead to be in it. And they always look to the Old Testament. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's, um, it's the New Covenant, though. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Here's something interesting, and this is where I bring in my love of the West Wing. One of the have you ever seen that show? Uh, a little, not to not the extent thing? you have. I should pass no, it on I, you. Not um, really my thing. There's. I want to pass this one episode on. Okay. Uh, it's all about uh, trying to convince the president to um, stay in execution. And at one point, they go to Toby Ziegler. He's the communications director. He's a Jew. And so the defense attorneys call his rabbi. And he starts preaching about how revenge is not Jewish. And they're talking. And Toby Ziegler says, the, the Torah, which is just the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament, yeah. Uh, the Torah has no problem with execution. He says, no. And the, and the rabbi says, he says, it also says that someone who disobeys their father can be dragged into the streets and, and killed and all these sorts of things. He says, this has always stuck with me. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, who wrote it, he's Jewish. He said, the, the rabbi says, so really Aaron Sorkin is saying, for all I know, you know, because slavery is in the Bible and all that, for all I know, that is the best wisdom available at the time. But by any modern estimation, it's just plain wrong. And I like that idea. Like, Jews have gotten away from Leviticus. <laughs> Thank it's, goodness. It's it's a particular tiny subset of angry Christians who fetishize Leviticus. Yeah. Not realizing that the laws in Jerusalem before the, the Romans came and knocked it all down, the laws were so complex, they, a, a modern lawyer couldn't work their way through it. They made it impossible to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Because they realized, you know, wh- whatever Leviticus said, written hundreds or thousands of years ago, depending on what book you're talking about, that may be stone them because they pissed off dad, but that's just not cool. Yeah, but what about thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt, it's not thou shalt not kill, it's thou shalt not murder. Oh, is that what it is? Yes, that's very different. Oh, that's it? much different. It's much different, yeah. Uh, learned that from the West Wing too, and I had to look it up to see if it was true, and it is. It's thou shalt not murder. Cool. But, you know, just this idea that Jews, by this point where Jesus is around, had figured it out. You can't just kill people for every little thing. So they couldn't, they couldn't abrogate God's law. It doesn't work that way. So they found conditions. <laughs> oh, well, no. Uh, lo- loopholes. Loophole, loopholes. They found hundreds. It's called the Talmud. The Talmud is just um, scholarly writings by rabbis who are not priests. They're just super well religiously educated laymen who were advisors in the community. Now they're kind of like our priesthood because the Jews took the uh, Jewish priests and oh, the Romans took care of them. Again, invited to a barbecue. Yeah. Though mostly probably they just use swords. By this point, the stoning thing, that would have been exceptionally rare. Like, that wouldn't have been, oh, it's a horror, let's do that. No, that would have been rare. They probably would have turfed her. Yeah. But, you know, I, we said this during the movie, it almost doesn't matter to me whether any of this is true or not. It's the message. Right. Jesus has a great message. Oh, I yeah. I don't have to be a believer to go, oh, that's a cool message. Yeah. Love thy neighbor. That's an awesome message. Yeah. yeah. You know, Muhammad said that, you know, the prophet Muhammad said that um, you can't be a good Muslim if you go to bed knowing that your neighbor is hungry. How do you go to bed like that? Yeah, one of the five ten, one of the five pillars of Islam is alms for the poor if you can afford it. Yeah, it's one of the five pillars. Give money to pe- help others. Yeah, Islam's got its problem, but trust me, so did Jews. Yeah, every, and Christians. everybody does. You know. Yeah. Um, so for me, this instance of you know, like, you know, he who's without sin throw the first stone. It almost doesn't matter whether it's true or whether it's accurate. It's a good idea. Yeah. See, that he used without sin, throw the first stone, is that that quote, that line is in there. Yeah, he says it differently. It's taken out of context and blah, 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 but yeah. yeah. You know, and I like how, you know, the old, he says, you know, the old man says, well, I got nothing to hide. And he picks up and says, you know, God sees you cheating your, uh, was it cheating your, your, your employees. Yeah. And, and sees you messing around with that widow. And he says, he says, are you afraid that if you pick up, if you, if you raise that stone, God will freeze your hand and wither it and you'll drop the stone? And what does he do? 
drops the stone. stone down. Because he realizes, yeah, you know what, maybe... Yeah, maybe fair, not. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, exactly. And I like that. Um, and the guy's kind of a dick, too. Like the guy, Yeah, he, he was he was like, He's kind of a prick. But, you know, he points out, you know, it's, he's broken Abraham's law or Moses' law. He's worked on the Sabbath. It's like, you're all perfect here? And then he tries to tell a story. <laughs> it goes horribly And it goes wickedly wrong. And it's a bad story. And it's badly told. You know, so, you know, a farmer throws some seeds. And I am the seed. And you are God. And, and he says, you know, the rich will be brought low. And, you, and, and they go, kill Romans. And they all run off in their own directions. They go, kill Romans. He's going, wait. Wait, that's no. not. Yeah. You know, I love that. That that, that that reminded me of Life of Brian, actually. That's that scene. The shoe, the shoe. <laughs> you know, he dropped the shoe. Yeah, or or, the, or the, the movementarian episode from The Simpsons. He splashed me with mud. And, you know, the, the oh, truck, yeah, the car goes by. That. He says, yeah. I am dirtier than thou. The leader blesses me more. It's like, no, oh. you're not listening. You know, and it's, I love that, that he completely fucks it up. And yet, he encounters two of his, his dudes there. Yeah. Father, I'm going... And the other guy says, I'm going to. No, not both of you. Anyone's going anyway. But I like that despite the fact that he got it wrong, he tells the story badly. His presentation is bad. What was this? It was his first try. Yeah. Like I said, the wording is bad. The presentation is bad. He blows the message. Who knows how many of these people ran off and did something (laughs) bad. And yet, he still gets through to a couple of guys. Yeah. And to Mary, who wants to go with him. And he he says, no, no, go home. You'll know when it's time, which turns out is the wedding. Again, the movie, not the Gospels, but whatever. Um, it ain't the Gospel truth. <laughs> but I, I just like that. That Again, he has to. It's sort of like the first time uh, Spider-Man tries to climb up the wall, he falls. or right. And maybe yeah. that's silly and simplistic, but it's the same thing. It's like they're, That's what I like about this. They're applying a very human, a very human fallibility to this guy. Again, his journey, he has to get to being... Jesus has to become Jesus Christ before he can... Yeah, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve there. He has to struggle first. It's not easy for him. Yeah. And maybe that's not... I mean, I know the church presents him as, he was perfect, out of the womb. Ta-da! Yeah. Go on from there. Mo- how- Moses had to start small, too. Yeah, it's the same thing. Moses had to figure it out. And and this is this is more of that idea that all these guys getting, word, getting the word of God in their head, they all had to figure it out. And yes, it's blasphemous, but again, it's telling the details wrong to get... The plot to get the theme right, right? Um, yeah, and so yeah, so they all run off, and he's going, "Oops, no!" And then there's that night where he has the discussion with with uh, with Judas, and Judas says, "You know, I, I, I people I love, I love, and people I hate, I kill, and I could even kill someone right um, who had, I love who had done something wrong." And he agrees to follow him, and I forget what the purpose of that. See, I think it's just sort of a conversation they have. Like I don't think there's anything to it. Like it's, I think it's sort of his first attempt because he says, "I don't know." Well, towards the end, though, uh, I think it's in the in the trippy uh, what if scene at the end. Judas says, "Like you, you, you pulled me aside and said I, I, I need to betray you." Yeah. So maybe this is why Jesus picked Judas to to do the betraying because he's hard enough. He could he could kill someone he he liked. Fair enough. Yeah. So maybe and I mean it's it's sort of it's the further it's sort of the second part. Like he. There's sort of at this point we've had three the only three serious theological theological conversations in this movie were with Judas, Judas, and Judas. Yeah. The anger over the building of the cross, finding him outside the monastery, and now this. Right. Judas is us. He's the audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. generic audience looking at a, a protagonist going, What the fuck is your problem? Sort your shit out. What is your message? What are you trying to do? You're doing it badly. Do it better. And and that's Judas yeah. here. 
Come like, on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. Get your shit together. And so then they go and they meet the Baptist. And that was weird. Like Super weird. Like, I cannot speak to the to the music and, and all that. Who the... F- I, 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 I've seen video of snake handling Christian, like, literal, like, creepy shit. Mm-hmm. The Swamp of Louisiana, snake handling evangelical. I've seen those those Sunday church services, and they are creepy. Uh-huh. This is just as creepy in its own way, like naked people dancing around. Yeah. But I think what it comes down to is we have no clue. And so he just went with weird. Not weird, trippy, just super, uncomfortable. Once again, super inaccurate. Like, super inaccurate. Okay, so, like, here he sort of comes up behind John uh, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist turns up, who, who are you? Like, immediately, what, what the, like, not who are you, name, what is your name, but, yeah. like, in a sort of a theological who are you, like, he senses, uh, he senses destiny creeping up behind him. Yeah, because, like, his mom and and Jesus' mom mm-hmm. are cousins. Oh, okay. They, they, they would have grown up, um, when... Not necessarily, but... They, you know, when, it's, it's this, it's the second joyful mystery of the rosary. Okay. Um, so the first one is um, yeah, the, annunci- the the Annunciation. The angel comes and tells her. Okay. Second one is she's a little bit pregnant. First trimester go- goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. No. Elizabeth says the second line of the Hail Mary, the Lord is with thee. Mm-hmm. Blessed art thou among women. Oh, okay. And blessed is the fruit of this. Okay, so the angel in the first joyful mystery does Hail Mary full of grace. Mm-hmm. So the angel does the first line. Uh... Elizabeth does the second line because Mary's there visiting her for like months. She gets the good quality food she needs to make in the, in the, in the first and second trimester. Like they're friends. And they're wealthier, I guess. Uh, yeah. Her husband is well off and she's, and she's older. Uh, so here he's just presented like John is presented as just this kook. No, uh, John is a a little bit older than Jesus. They're both, they're both pregnant. At the same time. Um, so Elizabeth is a little bit farther ahead uh, than Mary. So they'd be like, eh, three, four months apart. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And they, they would have known each other because okay. their, their, their moms were related and friends. Well, I don't think here that they, they, they are ignoring that. I think when he turns around and says, who are you? I don't think it's meant to be, identify yourself, stranger I've never met. It's a theological, who are you? He knows. When Mary greets Elizabeth, the mm-hmm. babe in Elizabeth's So is it a rhetorical leaps. question? Maybe, but... In the movie, I mean. When Jesus is baptized, mm-hmm. God declares Jesus aloud, publicly. Okay, okay. You're going to have to explain that to me. Okay. God declares Jesus. That so, is, that sentence the, is missing the, the, words. the part where that's his son. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> like, a sentence fragment. <laughs> okay, the, it's like, the whole okay, sentence. it's a mystery, I get it. Uh, the whole sentence. Um, okay, so, yeah. when, when, when Jesus goes to be baptized and he mm-hmm. shouldn't need to because he does not need to be cleansed of original sin he's already there he does he, he doesn't have it he there is no original sin on jesus I get that. yeah he doesn't need to be yeah. baptized but john does it anyway and why because he's supposed to I, okay I, I, I don't remember because okay, no, jesus tells him to okay because um, here i get the impression but like the the clouds part the lord's voice is heard whole, okay, it's, this it's, is my son okay this is like literally moving like moving literally this is my son oh, okay because here when he turns around and says who are you I wonder now if it's not who are you theologically because I don't know. It's you have to you answer have this to, question. Yeah, I'm wondering sense. if that's the intention of the scene. I don't know. Maybe because it's either because I know it's not identify your name and address yeah. unknown person. It's either tell me who you are theologically or you need to be able to answer this question for yourself theologically. I'm not sure which it is because he comes across as kind of a nut, mm-hmm. like this manic guy who destiny kind of comes up behind him and he turns around and he's different. 
Because if you notice, he stops yelling the minute he starts talking to Jesus. Because up until then, he's the crazy guy on the corner with the with the sign. Mm-hmm. One thing, if you also notice, everyone else here is dirty as shit, but Jesus' hair is always perfect. Oh, yeah, and it, it's been blow-dried. Yeah, it's pretty odd, but I like that. I that's, like, that's an 80s thing, though. But it's a simple thing. Yeah. Because everyone's ratty and looks like shit, but Jesus looks great. And I think that's that's it's a thematic thing. It's a movie thing. I think he he didn't at the beginning. He does now, though. That's true. He was all starts, slimy and dirty at the beginning. The only starts too. looking good when he starts when he's told by the the new monastery head, "Get out there! You've been cleansed. You've Go. been cleansed." Yeah, and that's when he starts to look pretty. Yeah. So they have their conversation, and you know, he says, "You know, Jews, the, the God of Israel is the God of the desert. You want to talk to him? Head out, out you in go. The desert. And so he goes out there, and you mentioned that you didn't know what the circle was because God. Well, it's I, I understand what the circle's for in mythology, yeah, but that's not uh, that's not in there. Like he just goes out of the desert and sits down on a rock and says, "Okay." Come uh, he out. fasts and prays for forty days or something. Yeah. I, I've never really looked into it that much, yeah. so maybe I just assumed the circle was a thing. No, because I mean, here clearly the circle is meant to be symbolic of if I invite you in the circle, you have it's me letting you into my body. Like it's meant to be a visual representation of if you stay out the cir- stay out of the circle, which. Because he's approached by the, the Ma- many temptations: the yeah, cobra, t- the fire, the lion, the lion, and, and the fire, and the and the apple, and the yeah, the the apple is the proof that you don't get this life, you don't get the nice life. I think that's what that's meant to prove. Or it's the apple in the garden. Well, no, because, it's, because he's already. If you remember earlier, he'd eaten an apple and he threw the. Uh, oh yeah. After the chat with Judas, he he broke it open and, and, and he threw the yeah. seeds out, and and there was suddenly an apple the tree, tree there. there yeah. Whereas. I mean, here he goes and he digs that, he draws that circle, and then after 10 days, he says, it doesn't start, the hunger pangs stop. Yeah, the hallucinations <laughs> start, buddy, but first he's encountered with, he says, I'm your spirit. That's the, that's what the, the cobra says. Right. I'm your spirit. And it's in the voice of Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And she tries to tempt him with a normal man's life. Yeah. And he says, fuck off. And so it explodes. Remember the, the Yeah, cobra that's explodes. awesome. Um, I thought that was really cheap, actually. I, I thought it was a cheap effect, but okay. And then uh, a couple days later, the lion comes in the voice of Judas. It's Harvey Keitel. I, I kind of wished for Morgan Freeman there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Morgan Freeman, I think, was done with voiceovers for a while. But yeah, uh, at that point, he just finished Return of the Jedi. But um, this is CNN. That's, that's, you know? that's James Earl Jones. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right, never mind. But yeah, uh, oh, you're right. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Um, the Bruce Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. How many fingers do I have? Six. Wrong! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, but yeah, so The Lion comes, and I watched a, a review yesterday of this movie by a, an evangelical preacher. Really good one. And he had said that it's the temptation of the flesh, the cobra offering a normal life. Yeah. The temptation to conquer the lion. Nice. Yeah. And then the fire. Let's burn it all to the ground. And that's outright Satan. Absolutely. What I love is that Satan has two voices. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. You don't pick it up the first time. You pick it up at the end when we reveal that that little girl. The, the little an girl isn't an angel. It's, yeah. They did it for a, a, they did it for effect. They have two different angel. actors speak and they offset the voices a little bit. But do you know who both actors are? No. David Bowie. It's Pontius Pilate. Oh no! Eh. I'm pretty sure it's Pontius Pilate. It's meant to be. It certainly sounded like it. I could look it up, but I'm not cool. going to because I don't want to touch that computer. Well, I'll just believe you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's Pontius Pilate. That's so cool. So temptation is always Mary Magdalene. It's always people he knows. Yeah. Temptation of is Mary Magdalene. And of course, at the end of the film, he takes that one. Yeah. The temptation to conquer all. 
That's Judas, the angry guy with the, the zealot with the, with the knife. With the, yeah. And then let's burn it to the ground is it's Pontius Pilate, Pilate, the one guy who says, I don't want you to change. I don't care whether it's thinking or doing. We don't want, we don't want things to change at all. Yeah. And, and he's the voice of Satan. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You all, we all, this probably all should, should have been a hint that the archangel was Satan. She speaks with a British accent. Well, Same yes. as the Romans. Well, yes. Yeah, that's a movie I'm, thing I get. But, you know, um, we talked about accents because you, you laughed at the... Uh, the priest from the temple has a, a Brooklyn accent. Oh my gosh, he sh- he, sh- he should have he could have been right out of a Mel Brooks Mel, movie. Mel Brooks, yeah. But as I pointed out, they they're trying to you know like he's a New York guy, Martin Scorsese. We had more Jews in New York City than there are in Israel, and so they portray the country bumpkins speaking in Midwestern accents and other accents, right? You know, sort of generic Midwestern non-accents, non-American, you know, sort of American accents, and then when he goes to the big city, the Jews there speak as the Jews in the big city do. And then, of course, the Romans speak with a that imperial British accent right. that is, you know, standard for Hollywood. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, uh, it's, it's the next big empire. Yeah. So the flame, so so the, the lion says, let's let's take it over. And he says, no. And then the flame comes and says, let's burn it all to the ground. And he says, no. And then, remember, that's when the tree shows up. Yeah. And he bites into it and it's all bloody. Yeah. And I think the idea is that that is meant to be the last, that's... Like it's almost like the fourth hint. Like no, you can't have any of this. You can't have the 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 fruit born of the cobra or the lion or the flame. None of that's available to you, buddy. Yeah. Because the minute he spits out the blood, yeah. Who grabs him? John the Baptist. Yeah. I get to die now. You're here. Tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. Here's an axe. And I thought that's interesting. Because remember he says, "You do this with the axe. Go kick some ass." Remember, literally an yeah. axe. He finds an axe in the dirt. Yeah. And then he goes back. After that, we go to we go back to the apostles that have been sitting there for a month, arguing among themselves. Let's go to Galilee. No, let's wait here. No, let's go get to Galilee. And Judah gets up. We're staying here. Okay, let's stay here. So that's what I like about you, John. You're you're steady as a rock. And then of course Jesus is there, and he pulls his heart out. Those we noticed. He's about six inches too low on the chest. Yeah, that, that's kind of spleenish, I think. Well, I think the idea is that... Yeah. Well, oh, you'd have to go under. His, yeah. yeah, well, the folk could suck, a, suck in his stomach and they could put the squib on there. But, yeah, it's he pulls out his heart. Kali Ma! Kali Ma! Different movie. Sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, okay, now we're going to purify with fire. And, the, you know, the scene after that is all these people writhing in living in like holes in the ground. Yeah. And he sort of, and I get the idea these people are like mad. Like, like, like they're insane. Well, he was, or, he was casting out demons, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, out Satan. Like he grabs these yeah. people like a, like a revival tent preacher from the, from the, from below the Mason Dixon line, like grabs them by the head and says, out Satan. And it's, it's really something out of a, like I said, out of a, some Southern U.S. tent revival. Yeah. There's that great one with the where they with, you know they, they show that one when they do the uh, the Street Fighter music, you know Hadouken Hadouken. Hadouken. <laughs> These the guys like knocking down believers one after the other. Yeah, after exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we are so fucked after this. <laughs> so yeah, many. we're uh, we're, we're getting we're getting some angry uh, feedback from this one. That's cool. But yeah, so he does that. And <laughs> and that's potential his, lightning strikes. Yeah, but I like the idea that that's his definition of violent. He's not yeah. actually going to take an axe to anyone. Well, and and uh, purified with fire is the Holy Spirit too. The Holy I did, Sp- the I did not know that. Holy Spirit is represented by fire above your head. Cool. I would think that would be a call for a fire extinguisher, but okay. Well, it's, we'll go. Yeah, it's not Bernie. <laughs> it's not Bernie. It's like the well, yeah, I guess the, the burning bush. So, but I think that's kind of neat. It's just that to purify with fire in the axe doesn't mean he's literally start kicking people's ass. Yeah. He's just he's gotten all 
Bible tent revival on these people. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of it, he's, I like that he's exhausted. Again, he doesn't have his full power reserves yet. Because by the end of it, Judas has to physically hold the poor guy up. Yeah. I like that. That was really, really neat. Um, and then after that, that's actually the wedding. It's the wedding after that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And that wedding is kind of cool. It's got, you know, it shows like the man standing on this platform, four guys have on their shoulders and, you know, that's it, whatever. I have no idea what the the, the marriage traditions are. I mean, not a clue. when my sister got married, of course, you know, good proper Jewish wedding, you put the Jewish bride in a chair, you put the Jewish groom in a chair, eight guys each knuckle on to one corner of each of those chairs, you lift them up, the bride and the groom hold on with a handkerchief and everyone dances. And the idea is if they can hold on, it's a good... It's a good omen because, you know, they Yeah, because they're together, yeah. <clears throat> we, we may have dropped my brother-in-law. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he, was, he, he was okay. <laughs> but, it's, yeah. it's funny. I'm, I'm pretty sure a fair component of all wedding traditions is the bride and the groom saying, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, so this is the same sort of thing. It's sort of the physical balancing act. I mean, they did it for my, my niece and nephew at their bar and bar mitzvahs, but they don't have to hold hands because they're not getting married because this is in Alabama. But, you know, they come <laughs> and they, they jump up and down and yeah. you have to hold on. It's, it's, it's really quite cool. But the whole thing with the marriage is, again, they're each on a chair and they're holding on with a, with a handkerchief. And this is just a modification. I think probably what Scorsese did is he looked at some of the more obscure marriage. I think he's done this with a lot of the music and a lot of the ritual we're seeing. Mm-hmm. He's finding local obscure religious stuff from North Africa. I remember this filmed in Morocco and saying, yeah. close enough. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, not like lazily, but how the hell do we know? Yeah. Like, it's nice to say that we know all this stuff about Jesus, but do you have any idea the way he lived? Not a clue. No. No one does it. Same was anyone say, well, I know what the, you know, the, the, the daily life of a, of a Roman is. Well, we sort of do because people wrote about it, but the little details? Nope. No I don't idea. Know. I mean, they were a very literate culture, so we get more about it. But in Judea, yes, they were a literate culture, a literate, not illiterate. They were a writing culture, but they didn't have, they don't have near the amount of writing that the Romans did. I don't even fully appreciate how my grandpa lived. Fair enough. Yeah. And, like, and, and there's no... And that was a hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. So the way they present this wedding, who knows? Yeah. But here, like you've already told the story of how the wine thing actually happens. And here right. it's one of the guys going, oh man, we're, th- you know, they, they bought enough wine for three days of parties. It's the fourth day and we're all out. And it's, nah, go check. And it's wine. Yeah. You know, of course, I made the joke, then they drink the wine, and, and, and it's it, the miracle of wine back into water. That's Scott that's, Kurtz. That's, that's, that's from less miracle. That's more uh, yeah, biology. Biology, yeah. yeah. I, I can't claim that joke. That's Scott Kurtz who does PvP, the online comic. Yeah. The miracle of wine into water. But, you know, something like that <laughs> like is that simple. One. I like that the, the, the miracles that are made such a big damn deal of in the Bible, he just blows them off. Yeah. It's quick. Okay, whatever, wine. Come yeah, on. he healed a bunch of guys, whatever. But I think yeah. it's neat. Like even when he heals the guy with the with the eyes, yeah, it, it's it's a one minute scene and move on. It's not oh well, and he, and he did it as as, as charlatan magic. Well, he put the powder in the his powder, hands, he added water, but, he touched the guy's but, eyes. But he probably like, didn't need that. I think it's his disciples not understanding what he needs. He didn't need anything. He's got of course it. he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. But his disciples don't get that. Yeah, like there's one there's one Bible mm-hmm. one where he feels the power going out through his cloak, and some leper or something has has touched his cloak, and, and based and, on his belief. Mm-hmm. Jesus turns around and says, what did you do? He's like, well, I believe, and now I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, see, here, I think the idea they're trying to show is that, A, Jesus himself doesn't quite know how the power works yet. Yeah. But sure as shit, his disciples don't know. They're idiots. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, man, These guys are kind of gomers. They're followers. They're not great scholars. 
The only one who seems to be a really smart guy is Judas. And it's not so much that he's educated. He probably can barely read in reality. It's that he's a worldly man. He understands politics and a movement. Like he's, he's a thoughtful guy. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have just killed Jesus in the, at, the, at the monastery, right? right? Whereas these guys are just sheep. So they've seen other faith healers and charlatans use the power and the bullshit yeah. and the spit in the hand and the whole nine yards. So they figure, well, I guess this is the way oh, it's Oh, here done. you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, but if you notice, the further, the, the closer he gets to the end, the more confident he is and the less of the bullshit he needs. Yeah. He just has to get in there and do it. Right. Make it happen. You know, but by the time he gets to Lazarus, he throws his hands out and says, get up. Get up. Yeah. And that's it. He's done. So again, I think that's the, this part of this this journey that that Nikos and Martin Scorsese are trying to portray that Jesus has to figure it out because he doesn't know any more than you or I do, and he's getting there yeah. way faster than everyone else. But he's still got to make that journey, right? And this is just a physical trick. Cool. Because this is how yeah. Charlton's of the time did it. I'm guessing. I, I could ask Martin Scorsese, but he'd probably laugh in my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Uh, works for me. Yeah. And then he bumps into mom. He says, "I don't know you. I don't have a mom." Yeah, and, that's, that was. Weird. And she cries and. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah, because he's he's going to the extreme himself. Yeah. He figures, okay, I gotta go whole hog. You know, because in the end, what does he ask for? Where's my mom? He asks yeah. for his mom. Well, yeah. Yeah. I would do. <laughs> yeah, so he sort of blows off mom, and then they head out, and then they do Lazarus. And again, you know, he says, How long has he been dead? Three days. Is that how it was in the Bible? You've been dead three days? I can't remember. And is that meant seems, to be seems a right. match with I'll be back in three days? Um I, I think it's certainly foreshadowing. I just can't remember all the details of Lazarus. Yeah, fair enough. But so he they, does call him. Yeah. Wake up, sleepyhead, and hey, he wakes up. and Stand up. He, he yeah. looks like shit. And when we see him a few oh, days yeah. later, when Saul comes after him, I like that he's having to heal. Mm-hmm. He's still really spacey, or as we joked from Aladdin, don't raise the dead, it never goes well. So Robin it's Williams not a pretty sight. Yeah, it's not pretty. But I like that, that he, just, he doesn't come out, he doesn't jump out and... Do a dance number, uh, and sing. except he does. But yeah, he looks, what's that? It, 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 it wasn't an imperfect miracle in the in the in the Bible. He's he's up. He's fine. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he doesn't need to heal some. It's, it was not an imperfect miracle. Okay, it was a it was a miracle. Here, I guess 100%. the idea, Here is, I, I guess the idea is he has to get up and he has some physical healing too. It's one of the it's one of the first ones too. Yeah, he, so. he's still working on it. Yeah, and then what even happens? That oh yeah, he, then he shows up in Jerusalem. Oh, and he trashes the place. Yes, uh, yes. What I found funny is they never truly... Well, I guess they do sort of explain it. Because he, has, because he gets to the priest uh, and says, you know, he says these, you know, these coins have false gods on them. Do you want them in the temple? Which I guess is the reason. I don't remember whether that was a thing, where it was actually a thing, where there was money changers in the temple. They did have... It was, it was money changers in market and... Yeah, but it was right outside the temple gates was the idea. Here. Yeah. Again, I don't... Historically speaking, I know Christians look at the Bible and say, this is history. Speaking as an historian, I can't say whether... I know historians do not view it as a document. They do not view it as a historical document. They view it as a... How would I put this? It's not a history book. It's a, it's a collection of stories written over hundreds of years by many by people, in some cases, who never met the dude. Yeah. The Old Testament was written over a thousand years. Like, over the course of a thousand years. Right. So... How historically accurate it is, like if if I could get in my Wayback Machine and head back with a camcorder, I'm not sure I would see money changers outside the temple and some angry guy kicking, you know, kicking tables around. Yeah. But again, it doesn't matter. It's about the symbolism of, right. of you know, people have to pay to get in the temple. Then even, even when they come back to Jerusalem three days later and they ask the one guy, what do you want? He says, I want sheep. What do you want? He says, I want to pray in the temple without Romans around. Yeah. 
That's all he wants. Yep. And so they, you know, they have the encounter with the, the, the rabbis and the priests. And, you know, I pointed out that the dude with the black box on the head, that's real. Mm-hmm. It's scripture. It's Torah passages on tiny little pieces of paper that you put in the box and then they're attached to leather straps. And my mother's grandfather used to do it, apparently. And my mother's father apparently did it a little bit. But they were more devout. My, um, my grandfather, my, my mother's side, uh, is from uh, just outside of Kiev much more religious mm-hmm. Jews than she was or you know. But there's still some who still do it. Leonard Nimoy, of course, is Jewish. He did a whole because he's a wonderful photographer and he did a whole book examining female Jewish spirituality. And they showed a woman doing this thing with the wrapping. And holy fuck did the rabbis lose their shit over that. Really? That's a boy thing. Oh. Especially girls don't do that nude. But yeah. Hasidic Jews they're not known for their liberalism. You know, Fair enough. A thousand Hasidic Jews got together in a baseball stadium in Bronx to discuss women on the internet. The only thing that was in attendance? Women. Women. Yeah. So yeah. we're not talking, you know, so you think uh, these guys would have been a little more conservative than that. But yeah, the whole, the, the thing on the head, and I, I should be more respectful and look it up, but moving on, this is a long podcast, that's realistic looking. And what I like is this priest, I get the impression he's not really high up because... Not a lot of gold. He's, he's, he's the guy answering the door. He's the, guy, he's the dude answering the door. He's the lowest priest. He's like, okay, Bob, go out there and find out what the hell's going on. We're busy in here. You What's know, all that noise? Yeah. yeah. And he essentially he tells him, you know, fuck off. Like He tells Jesus to fuck go off. Go away. And, and then that's when Saul bumps into Judas and says, we told you to kill him. What's your problem? Because mm-hmm. all I see is Jews fighting Jews. I don't see anything against the Romans. And, I, and this is where we realize Judas has flipped. He yeah. says, then you're not listening. You're not listening to the message of Jesus. And he right. Walks off. That was cool. I like that. That was good. Yeah. You know, I have no idea whether Saul, before becoming Paul, was a zealot and a murderer. I have no idea. Uh, I believe he was that. I think so. He was a Roman tax collector, I think. Oh, I, okay. I might have my apostles Well, mixed then up. he sure shit wasn't a zealot if he was a He was very educated. Yeah. Um, he was a... Some of his writings are, are really... Paul's? Yeah. I think it's Paul. Okay. Because yeah. here he's presented as a zealot. Yeah. As a fellow zealot. Oh. So, yeah. Remember, that's the scene right here, right? Yeah. Where he says, you know, we sent you to kill him. Why haven't you done it? So, uh, yeah, so... I can't, I can't remember which apostle is which anymore. Yeah, and then very shortly thereafter, we see Saul bump into Lazarus and he stabs him. Yeah. And immediately in the next scene, Judas knows this. So it, clearly word has gotten back to him that yeah. the zealots are trying to erase... Are essentially following behind Jesus, erasing his miracles. Cleaning up the mess. Cleaning up the mess because they don't want his message. Yeah. The zealots don't want him any more than the Romans do. I don't like that. It's just the idea that there's no one on his side except <laughs> these guys. Yeah. You know, and that's where they have the conversation uh, about, you know, you're going to have to, bet- I think this is where he says, you're going to have to betray me and I'm going to die. And they, you know, they're marching towards Jerusalem and they think literally they're going to tear down the temple. They haven't figured out yet that he means it figuratively. The, the temple is himself. The temple yeah. is himself. Um and I, I, I don't admit to having understood that myself either, because guess what? I don't have the background. But I like that. I like that, you know, these people are all sort of marching to either certain death or we're setting, one guy says we're setting up a new government. Like he literally thinks, because he still hasn't figured it out that this is a theological, spiritual thing. This isn't, we're going to lower the Roman banners and put up a new banner and we'll have a prime minister and a minister of finance. Like that's what they think this is. They think this is about setting up a new government. Yeah. They don't understand that the kingdom ain't here. No. Um, well, it is, but they, and they don't understand the message. Right. Even following this guy, they call him rabbi, which just means teacher. Teacher, yeah. And master. But they clearly 
don't understand. They think they do. They're trying hard. They're trying hard, but they don't have a clue. They, no. It's pretty obvious. So they wander back into the city, and that's got the best music in the entire damn movie. Oh, I love that. The, 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 the entering Jerusalem. That was so good. Beautiful music. And he comes in, and people are dancing in front of him and laying down blankets or whatever. It's symbolic, right? It's He goes, and you mentioned that this time when he starts trashing the market, you didn't understand. Why, why did he trash the market the second time? Because remember, he's, he goes in, and he starts tearing down... Oh, yeah, because if, if this was su- su- supposed to be Palm Sunday, it, once again, it doesn't match, but that's, I've said that enough. Because they come in with palm fronds. Is that what Palm Sunday is? Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. Ask, ask the Christian. So I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe that you know he's driven the moneylenders up, but what are these assholes doing here? I don't know. Yeah. like I, I It was kind of weird. I think you could have edited out this scene for the film and no one yeah. would have cared. And then he starts preaching, and then you know, Judas says, say it. Give the word. Obviously, you know, burn it all down. And he won't, because I think this is where Jesus realizes, I still haven't gotten through to these guys. It's it's almost yeah. like it's back to that first preaching where they all run off, kill the Romans. He's like, wait, no. Like, he still he realizes these people still don't get it. They still think I'm calling for violent revolution. Right. And when it's clear he won't say anything, Jesus hauls them off, and that's when the Romans move in. Yeah. Well, he, 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 looks, he looks to God for an answer, too, and his uh, stigmata open up. Yeah. Is that a thing? Is that Was that actually the thing? Like, no. No, because the stigma is after the fact. It doesn't happen to Jesus. It happens to other people. It happens to other people, yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah, no, Palm Sunday, they, they enter town. They go have their Passover meal. Yeah. It's, uh, so this is kind of weird. It's, it's super weird. Yeah, so, yeah. The, so the Romans start sort of stepping in to, to interfere. They don't get them. And that night is the Passover Seder. Yeah. It's amazing when Christians don't realize that it's a Passover It's, it's a Passover. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 do they ask the four questions? Why do we eat the chicken goop? No, that's not one of the questions. Go watch The Ten Commandments. It's a good movie with Charlton Heston. I love The Ten Commandments. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah. And then, you know, that's where he says, okay, dude, I've I, I got good news and bad news for you, Judas. Yeah. And then Judas fucks off, and they actually showed the, you know, the, the yeah. bread. Yeah, the Last thing. Supper thing, yeah. And that's nifty, I guess. Shitty looking bread, but okay. It's the Middle East, they did, you know. Un- unleavened. Unleavened. But, but Passover again, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. It's matzah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's matzah. Have you ever had matzah? No. I think we have some in the house. I'll give you a little bit before you. I've yeah. had communion wafers. Then you will be very familiar with this. Yeah, and so. You know, they chat, and yeah, so they has they, they have the Last Supper, and then he goes off into, is it Gethesmany? Whatever, like that, he has yeah. the garden, and he's begging, like, please don't make me do this. Yeah. By the way, this is where Passion of the Christ starts. Him yeah. on his knees in the garden, praying for strength. Please let this cup pass from me, but if it is thy will, right. Sure. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. You have the information, I don't. And yeah, it's a really good scene. You know, the thing with Jesus is he's so un-Jesus-like. He's so, he's so not what I expect from an actor playing Jesus. Yeah. But maybe that's why I respect him so much. We can see his face because there aren't 50 spotlights shining on him. I can hear what he has to say because the children's choir wasn't called in for filming. Thank goodness. You know, but I like that. that yeah. When he speaks, at first he sounds like a, you know, a, a clueless storyteller. And then he sounds a little bit like a used car salesman. When I'm selling for everyone, the world is, you know, heaven is open to everyone. Like... Jesus, if I come down on Sunday, 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 can I get two-for-one tickets to the monster truck rally? Like, it takes them a while. But, yeah, but even in the end, even like, I'm here to purify. And he doesn't sound like I would as a layman from a, you know, humanist, yeah. Jewish, he's, whatever. He's still searching for his, he's his, still, his He voice, doesn't yeah. sound like, I am Jesus, come to me. Oh, he doesn't sound like that. And I love it. Yeah. Here, he just sounds like this guy who's just desperate. Yeah. 
what do you want from me? I, I'm pretty sure I know what you want, but can we get on with it? Because I'm terrified. Yeah. And I love it. It's a good scene. And then, you know, the Romans move in and there's the thing with the ear. And that's a practical weird effect that was clearly done in reverse. Yeah. That they had a rubber ear on the guy meant to tear. And Willem Dafoe tears the ear off. And, and then, then they, they reverse it. Backwards. And it looks yeah. like he's popping the ear back on. Okay, fine. It was 1988. They had a budget of $12 and a roll of duct tape. Fine. When they did it for Passion of the Christ, they had more to work with. I can live with it. It did the job. Yep. And then the very next thing, yeah, is my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah. Which is Judas, sorry, not Judas, uh, uh, Jesus being dragged into the uh, the stable. Yeah. And I still love Scorsese's reasoning for it. This guy's a bum. He's a he's just some loser causing trouble in the street. He's not getting a full court no. appearance. You know, Pontius Pilate's out. Doing what he does. Doing what he does. I just bring him it's here. evening, yeah. You know, and he's so, he's so not a threat that he just, you know, Pilot, played by David Bowie brilliantly, dismisses the guard. Because he's, he, this, this guy's clearly not yeah. a danger. But I like that they have a serious conversation. And it's not, I know you're the truth. I don't want, it's, it's like, yeah, I, don't, no, it's... I don't care what it is you want. We don't want it. We don't want change. Whether it's in your head. He says, he says you're, you're more dangerous than the zealots because you want people to... Because he recognizes the threat. Yeah. Not the theological, you are the truth and I am evil and therefore I must fight you. He recognizes it from a political point of view. You're worse than the zealots because they just want to kill my soldiers. You want to change the way people think. Yeah. And that's dangerous. And we don't want change. Yeah. And, we, we, we set it up like this yeah. on purpose. And he says, I don't care how you want change, I don't want it. David Bowie, as I said, this guy is a great actor. What a shame he didn't do more of it. Yeah. I mean, everyone, again, thinks to Jareth from Labyrinth, which is fabulous. <laughs> I love that show. It's a fabulous... He does, That movie is all about him. I watched this movie and I think that initially it was supposed to be Sting. Wouldn't, Again, wouldn't have been as good. Right back to the leather thong screaming, I will kill him. It's a great scene. Yeah. Just because there aren't a lot of serious theological discussions. There's the three with Judas. Well, four with Judas, actually. There's the one with the monastery, the new head of the monastery. There's one with... Uh, he says, you know, you've been purified. Go out and talk. And then there's the one with... Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Baptist. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. That's really, like, for a movie that's very theological, there aren't a lot of times where Jesus sits down and talks to people, but anytime he does, it's one-on-one. Yeah. None of the big theology comes out of him standing in front of a crowd delivering the good news. That's never where the serious theology in this movie comes from. It's always Jesus, usually sitting on the ground. Just talking to a guy. Just talking yeah. to a dude. One-on-one. I'm going to spread this one at a time. And the first guy actually has to tell him. Yeah. And then he has to convince Judas. And then he has to, and then, and but then the next guy is the Baptist who has to tell him. Yeah, like it's a back and forth. Jesus is is, li- is listening as much as he's talking. Yeah, because he again, Nikos and Scorsese have said no, no. He's got a journey to go on before he can take us on our journey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat. That was cool. Yeah. You know, and then we get to see the whipping, and they're pretty easy about it. Like this isn't yeah. this isn't the torture porn of Passion of the Christ. Again, wonderful movie, but it's designed like. It's meant to be almost the passion of the audience. You know what I mean? Like it's meant to be have people screaming in the audience with their hands in the air, screaming hallelujah. Uh, again, great movie to watch. I highly recommend it, even though, you know, Mel Gibson kind of went over the deep edge there a bit. But great film. But here you don't see the skin lifting off the back the way you did in that. But right. they do a good job. And then, now who's this dude? Which uh, one's he? The one who denies you three times. Peter, maybe? I don't know. I think it's Peter. I'll ask a Catholic. <laughs> but yeah, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with. We'll go with Peter. We're going with Peter. Okay. Um, yeah, so he denies him three times and he makes a run for it. And what I like is as he's running, he passes another guy 
one of the other disciples <laughs> come in the other direction, and they just sort of look at each other and keep running. Yeah. So it's not like they're even denying. They're not just denying from the crowds. They're actually they don't want to, they only want to talk to each other. Yeah. Run and hide, and then we get to see him drag through the streets. And that was okay. What I really loved is the one the first shot, seeing him looking down on the street mm-hmm. and him going through with the with the cross on his back. And the cross is too wide for the street. So he has so to keep yeah. turning to the side. And it's a struggle just to make it through the streets to say nothing of the crowds. Mm-hmm. Just the walls are too thin. Like, I'm not sure why I find that so much neater than people spitting on him and all that crap. Yeah. Which I know is part of it. I get it. Um, and the guy says, I'll help you carry the cross. Yeah, and, and there's the it. falls and the, yeah. Yeah, I know it's the stations of the cross and in their places in South America where these guys actually get crucified and okay buddy whatever you know a little less caffeine in your jesus i think but this the simple image of him struggling just to get down a narrow goddamn alleyway yeah but it's just it's cool because it it makes this momentous moment in the story of jesus so simple yeah that's it's so human that is scorsese something so simple as that and then they go and they hammer him up yep now it comes with god why have you forsaken me Mm -hmm. and then everything goes mute Yep. And then this pretty little girl, 12-ish, shows up. And uh, she's, I'm your guardian angel. God has sent me to say, you've done enough. Off you go. Off you go. She takes him off the cross. No one notices this. And then she brings him to this beautiful fruited land in a valley. All the awesome, like essentially an awesome biblical place. Yep. He meets Mary of Magdalene, who he marries. She dies. God takes her while Mm -hmm. she's pregnant. And then the angel takes him out of that beautiful valley back into the real world of shitty desert land where he meets Mary and Martha. Yeah. The sisters, who he bumped into once before, actually when he came out of the desert. Lazarus' uh, sisters. Sisters. Yeah. yeah. And he marries Mary. Mary. And apparently has a kid with Martha. Yeah. The, the, the not angel says, says there's only one woman, woman in different, and different faces. Go go on yeah. and have some fun. What does it put it that way? But, yeah. but then he has a kid by... she. He has a kid with her, yeah? Yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah. But, but again, ev- ev- everything that... The, the, the temptation... Um, yeah, this is all temptation. Yeah, this yeah, is all 100%. hallucination, yeah. But everything, like, f- from the time the little androgynous supposed to be an angel thing yeah. shows up, it's, it's, all it's all wrong. It's like all subtly wrong. wrong. Yeah. It's all, you know, come on, come on, come Mary, on, figure it out. Mary come on, figure it out. doesn't figure it out. You've done enough. Get off. Because yeah. the night before, you, you, you were told you were drinking from this cup. You've done enough. Come down. Yeah. Uh, go with this lady that you both want to be yeah. together. It's okay now. Yeah. And at one point, the, the angel slash, because we learned it's Satan, it's this little girl, and she says, you know, do you have any complaints? Like, are you unhappy? Is anything wrong? Yeah. He says, no. Like, he's happy. He's lived this life. He has women who love him he has beautiful children who love him and then he says there's one thing but it seems foolish and i'm embarrassed to say it oh yeah he's embarrassed by the things he's done because remember she tells him when he's coming off the cross because he knows it's not right yeah but remember when he's coming off the cross he says i'm not the messiah am i and she looks and says no and he says thank goodness see there's relief in his eyes he's been freed yeah he still thinks that the Messiah is a tag you hang around, you, you pin on someone's shirt. Right. Okay, let me take that and give it to the next guy. He doesn't get it. Yeah. Well, he does, but he's kind of happy. You're off the hook, buddy. Yeah, he, he's kind of happy that in the end he was wrong, or so he thinks. Yeah. Yeah, so he grows up, and then walking home one day for the market with his family, he comes across a preacher who is Paul. Mm-hmm. 
And Paul talks about all this stuff, and he says, you're full of shit. That didn't happen. I'm here. I came off the cross. I live the life of a man. And and Paul says to him, yeah, but look at these people. They're miserable. Yeah. Your story gives them happiness. It doesn't matter whether it's true. They believe it. They Which, by the, the way, has been said once before. Yeah. Because when, they, because when the apostles are waiting for it to come out of the desert, and they talk about the last words of uh, John the Baptist, it doesn't matter if I heard it. People are saying it, and they believe it. Remember the last words of John the Baptist. Yeah. So this is a, like, it's almost like Satan is giving Jesus the opportunity to clue in that this is wrong. I'm reminded of, of, all, of all things, uh, Skytail. It's the name of a character from Dune Messiah, the second Dune book. Um, He's a face dancer. He's an assassin. And it's in his code of honor that he must always give his target a possible way out. So if they didn't get out, it's their own damn fault. Right. So you charge into a room and you make sure there's a window. And it, it, obviously, this is Frank Herbert. This is science fiction. And it's yeah. funky. But there was a lot of religion in that, in Dune. Yeah. And this almost just dawns on me. It, it's a little bit like that. It's Satan is always giving him, like you say, these little hints that this is wrong. Yeah. This is a lie. This, this is a this lie. This is a lie. Yeah. But he's so desperate and he's so tired that he's just, he doesn't see it or maybe he doesn't he, he want doesn't to want see to. it. He doesn't want to. It's hard to tell. But my guess is, yeah, he doesn't want to see it. Paul says, yeah, you know, I'm glad I saw you because now I can forget about you. And the next time we see Jesus, he's this old man who can't walk anymore, who's on his deathbed. And in shows up three disciples who are old men, including... Yeah. including. Uh, Judas, who's still covered in blood because he's been fighting. And, and kicks his ass again. Yeah. Well, this would have been, I mean, if you if you imagine that the crucifixion happened in, was it 35 AD, I believe, or 33? 33. 30-something, 30 30 yeah. right? So this is an old man. Let's say he's in his 70s. This is the fall of the temple. This is the end. This is the end of the failed revolt against right. Rome. So this was the Romans going around kicking ass and killing, yeah. killing priests. And so, yeah, Judas is fighting. And he's angry, and he says, you told me I had to betray you. You told me that this was my job, and you haven't done yours. What are you doing here? So what's good for God is not good for men. And he dra you know, Jesus drags himself, and he sees everything burning. And that's when he realizes... Yeah, it's all a lot. Time to click his heels and go yeah. home. Yeah. And he begs God, put me back on the cross. And then, bang, we're back there. And he smiles, and he says... It is done. It is accomplished. Yeah. And I love the idea that an hour of this film takes place between two sentences said one after the other. Yep. But it's cool. And it is blasphemous. Oh, hell yeah. But it's not... I, I, I will argue that it is not disrespectful. It is meant to make you think. Yeah. That's why it's the last temptation. It's not a failure. No, he... He realizes. He still passed the test. He passed the test. Yeah. Just took it's, a while. Well, like you said, though, it's art. It's yes. it's it's to designed make to make you uncomfortable and think and yeah. And get so you to, to wrap this up, I have learned a lot from this conversation and from watching this movie with you as you, but also you as a a, a, devout, a devoutish ish, yeah. a, well devouter than I am. Let me put you that way, because if all this stuff is true, I'm fucked. <laughs> but I've learned a lot here, and and it's sort of so sort of when we wrap this up, now that we've talked it through, as you said, it's offensive to you. And I kept asking, do you feel as if Nikos, whatever his name is, is giving you the finger? No, not at all. It's So is it offensive in a bad... So is offense the right word? Or is it that it tweaks you because it's inaccurate? That's, um... Are you offended in your heart that it is inaccurate? You, you're welcome to say so. I just, I'm trying to get my... Because I wonder if this movie... was. Let's put it this way. Was this movie successful? 
It was successful in opening dialogue. But how about internal dialogue? I mean, you just watched it. This is this is maybe the one disadvantage to the format. We watched the movie and it hit record. Yeah. I wonder if I had sent you this movie and said, "Come to me in a couple weeks." Yeah, because I did this cold. I, yeah. I've I've never seen it. I never yeah. thought about it. I never I didn't read anything about it. And I'm yeah. I'm not. A, I should I should have put that out there at the beginning. I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. I'm I'm not a theologian. Yeah, I'm, no, you're I'm you're an everyday just Catholic. a Catholic. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's what um, I wanted. I'm not a scholar. <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, when I when I say I get my apostles confused, I get my yeah. I don't study it. But, but see, this interesting way to compare that. You don't get the apostles right, but does that make you a bad Catholic? Does that make you a bad Christian? No. Do you still get the message of Jesus? Do you still yeah. follow it? Yeah. So do the details matter as much as the message? Probably not. So now I bring it back to this movie. They purposely got the details wrong. They throw it in your face that the details yeah, are wrong. They... But what about the message? What about the overarching, do you get Jesus in a, in a different way? Does it... Has this enhanced your belief? Are you gonna guzzle bleach to 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 clear your mind? You're like, you're, nope. You're gonna bleach your brain. It's it's, it's not gonna ch- change my beliefs. Does it enhance? It's not gonna, Does it take away? It's um. I think the conversation with you will do more to make me grow mm-hmm. um, than just watching it myself. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, I would have turned it off. Um, really? Yeah. You found it boring? Not boring. Just uh, if 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 I didn't have someone to to talk to it, mm-hmm. like if there was no point to having watch the movie other than to watch it, mm-hmm. right? Other than this podcast, I would never have even mm-hmm. considered watching it. And honestly, if 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 I had started on my own, you would have just turned it for off. no reason. I would have turned it off because I mean, yeah, this is inaccurate. It's Long. like um, yeah, I've got better things to do with my three yeah. hours. Do you regret watching it? No. Okay, but it's not going to change my and it's not going to change much. It's, Does it um, enhance it? At all, do you think? I don't think so. It's it's did, did Nikos uh, accomplish his goal of. Or is this his goal, and you're just wa- is this his journey, and we just get to watch it? I think it's 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 like watching his journey. It's um, I hope he got something out of it. Well, they tried to excommunicate him, so I'm not so sure. But <laughs> he got that adventure at least. Like I, I got honestly, he wrote this I, in could, the 50s, so. I got I got more out of reading the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe than I got out of this. Yeah, but that's a very different. It's also but, it's yeah. a very Christian book, in my understanding. It is. It's yeah. very, very symbolic. Yeah. Um. So it, I didn't grow a lot from it. I yeah. I really enjoyed our our conversation. Yeah. Um. And yeah. I I hope Scorsese and and Nick. Nick, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick. We'll go with Nick. Nikos Kazantzakis. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get this once. Nikos Kazantzakis. Nikos Kazantzakis. We've been talking about his movie for two and a half for two hours. We should get his name right once. So going back to Nick. Anyway, yeah. Nick. <laughs> Nick. Anyway, I, I hope they got something out of it because this kind of soul searching. I hope there's a. I hope they get something. Yeah. Now, one last question, and we'll, we'll finish up here. Would you ever show this to someone of the same faith to have a dialogue with them? But no. I, would you do this? Would, I don't know. It, uh, not cold. Yeah. If they were having a... I regret showing this one cold. I wish if, I had sent you this this, this DVD like uh, a month ago. If, if, if someone was having this this kind of... of, of um, Crisis of faith. <laughs> or journey, or whatever you want to put it. Exactly. Uh, maybe. Maybe we would watch it together and talk. Yeah. But not cold. But not cold. You, not just, hey, you got to see this movie. Yeah, watch us come, come, come to me tomorrow sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, it happens to be that, you know, for our listeners, you told me yesterday, I'm coming down! No, Thursday. It was, it was Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Yeah, it's Saturday. And it's like, if we were going to do this two weeks from now, which is the original sort of plan, I probably would have sent you the file. Yeah. And said, watch this now. Right. And chew on it. 
because that was my plan. I did have a friend who was evangelical, my friend in Texas, mm-hmm. and I, I was going to do this with her initially. We just never came together. This is addition to the other one who wasn't comfortable doing it, and I was going to have her watch it on her own and sort of chew on it. Mm-hmm. There's a few scenes I would have liked to watch again. Like what? Be- before, I can't remember now. But there's there's <laughs> a, profound, there's a huh? couple where I would have rewinded and rewatched and th- thought about the dialogue. The di- Yeah, like the, the, um, the one-on-one scenes? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think I... If I watched it again, I would get more out of it. Mm-hmm. I do that with a lot of movies. That's fair, yeah. It's, it's okay. the ones that make me think I need to watch a few times. Okay. So how do you rate this? However you would rate this, I guess. Uh, really high, actually. Um, <laughs> it's it's not for everyone. It's not you praise for it to the heavens? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the filmmaking, yeah. yeah. The, the dialogue is fantastic. The Taking my, taking my feelings and my theology out of it... Mm-hmm. It's a five. It's now. What about all of it together? What about? I want to know what Heather thinks about it. Heather, who in in, in in all all that you are, how is this movie for you? Confusing. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's actually good. Yeah, it's art. It's, it's uh, art. It's uncomfortable. It should it's, make you yeah. well. Again, porn is is you putting your hand is you touching the the stove and withdrawing your hand. It's instinct. Art makes you feel. It makes you think. Yeah. That's why we have art and dogs don't. It's that's what makes us right. human. Exactly. You know, so awesome. I love this film. I haven't seen it in about 10 years. And watching it with you has, and having this conversation, you're the only person I've ever had this conversation with. My parents saw it and they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Also, when we saw it, I was a teenager and they weren't going to have a theological conversation with Christianity with 13 year old Farron. That wasn't going to happen. You know, so this is the first theological con- this is a conversation of any sort I've had about this movie. Yeah. So, you know, I love, I adore this film. I love it. There's a reason I own it. I spent 80 bucks on it. I better like it. I mean, that was 10, you know, 10, you know, yeah, 10 yeah. 15 but, years ago. But yeah, so so there it is. So now let's watch a, a, just as equally a deeply theological <laughs> movie. Roxanne!